Welcome to Betamax Rewind, the only podcast whose guests sometimes outshine their hosts. Here are two guys who are going to take up smoking heaters if they make the baseball squad in 1919, Matt and Doug. Take up? <laughs> you mean take up? <laughs> take up to a greater extent where oh, you're oh. having one like every five minutes and like sucking that thing down like John Cusack and Charlie Sheen do in this movie. You got to break the you got to break the filter off so you get all that oh, good tar. <laughs> Oh, spit, spitting out little pieces of tobacco like pubic hairs. Uh, anyway, it's Matt. How you doing, Doug? I'm good, man. Real good. It's Friday night. So before we get into it, uh, as was alluded to in the open, we, we did have a guest last week. I want to send out my personal thanks to Scott. Uh, did a fantastic job. He did. And I, I got I to gotta say... If Scott had a podcast, I would listen to his podcast. He uh, he's very articulate and a good speaker. He doesn't have has he doesn't have verbal crutches like you and I do. Okay. Uh, and I think he's got a lot of inter- lot of interesting things to say. So if he had a podcast, Scott, if you're listening, I would listen to it. I think my biggest verbal crutch last week was alcohol. So. <laughs> We'll get to that in housekeeping. <laughs> but okay, well I'll, I'll I'll save it for then, so let's go ahead and jump in. All right. And now it's time for podcast housekeeping. Yeah, uh you alluded to that. Um it, it should be my job to keep the podcast at two and a half hours or b- below that, because anything after that, you're just a wild card, Matt. <laughs> Oh, I was I was wasted way way earlier than that last week. I I I hit it at one forty two. That's where you. Could, oh, did you really? Where you could start to hear it and yeah. Well, there was a point where I muted Scott and my mics, and I go, "Hey, man, can you hear the slurring?" <laughs> he just rolled his eyes. Not my fault though. Um, and why? Oh, really? Why yes. is that not your fault? Because I have a system, and the system broke down last week because I have my drinks like i'll have a beer and then a you know whatever but i have these little bottles these individual mm-hmm. bottles of uh, okay what's that stuff i bring on the river that you hate that you won't drink not red hot oh fireball the uh, fireball it's, it's not ma- oh i was gonna say mad dog but fireball fireball and, and i did not have any of those individual ones left all i had was a, a fifth of fireball okay and I didn't know how to parse that out, so I just poured a bunch of it into a coffee cup when it came for oh, the, the red hot or the, the fireball portion of the podcast, and that was Jesus. kind of what uh, tipped the scales, I think, a little bit. Uh-huh. All right. But I skipped a couple things last week because it was getting a little bit long in the mm-hmm. housekeeping portion, but have you ever seen somebody in the water with a dog on their shoulders? Like on their back or... or- their paws on the front uh, like two set two paws on your right shoulder two paws on the left shoulder with like <laughs> the body over the head <laughs> no I, I can't say that i've seen that no okay, i saw that and i thought that was weird all right and then somebody was out playing catch with their dog in the water and they'd throw the stick and the dog would go about three four feet towards the stick and they just kind of turn around and come back and then and and was the guy going, here, Pippin, here, Pippin, <laughs> looking around frantically for his dog? No. 
But you could tell something was off about this dog. He was a little touched because when he was in the water, he was biting at it. He was like trying to bite the water as it was slowly lapping at him. Oh, which I've never seen that before either. Okay, all right. Over to you. Anything else? Anything else on that end? On the what you what you what I missed? Yeah, what you what you left out? Yes, Um, grocery store stuff. I went to the grocery Uh store. Guy ahead of me. Same exact outfit as me. Cargo shorts. Really? Star Wars t-shirt and a hat. (laughs) Was he wearing New Balances? No, he was like me. He was wearing uh, socks with sandals because his feet are fucked up like me. (laughs) Jesus. And later on that same shopping trip, there was a guy who had a Blades of Steel t-shirt. Are you familiar with Blades of Steel? Is that Will Ferrell? No, no. um, That's Blades of Glory. Oh, all right. Blades of Steel was a Nintendo game. It was a hockey game for the the original Nintendo. And when all right. it started, it went, Blades of Steel. So I'll have that for next week. And I went up to him. I said, I love your shirt, but I would have much preferred a double dribble shirt, which is the basketball one that the same company Konami sure. had. I I had double dribble. He said, oh, I have that one at home as well. So, <laughs> Oh, all right. Okay. Uh, the bobbing bird that we referred to last week, the toy? Yes. Also known as a dippy bird or sippy bird or drinking bird or dunking bird or drinky bird or water bird. Uh, do you know what it was, uh, what movie it was? I, I had referenced a movie where it was a detonator. No. I'll give you a hint. Okay. It was, it was an actor that we, it has been in several of the films we've done. Okay. He was, this was probably his first truly starring role. And it was before he acquired a very specific set of tools or skills. Okay, so it's um, Liam Neeson. Yep. Uh, um, Rob Roy. <laughs> Darker. Comic book. Darker? You mean Dark Man? Yes. Stop. Dark Not Man. Darker. I saw that in the theater with a girl that. I took, we were friends, and then we came back to my house, and I put a dip in, and she wanted to try it. <laughs> and it was just, I just remember, it was like all over the place in her mouth. She just couldn't figure it out. Well, what what kind of, was it Kodiak or? It, it was Kodiak, yeah. Well, I just imagine if it was Copenhagen. Oh, well, I, I tried Copenhagen once, and, and it was like, nope, not going to do it. No, because Copenhagen is basically sand. Yes. Yeah, it's like, it's like dust. It's horrible. Okay. Okay. Um, da, 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 da. Supercomputer versus mainframe. <laughs> Both types of computers perform different tasks. Supercomputers. We already talked. You're, you're, I said you, I didn't know what it was. I said that I left a ZZZ in my notes because I didn't actually know what oh. the difference was. Oh. Right, but I'll leave it for next week. Mm. <laughs> 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 That'll be like a two-month callback. Yes. Yeah, the greaser dude with the with the 1950s greaser hair that actually stole the bike f- for, um, oh god, who's the bad guy's name in Pee Wee? Why can't I remember that now? All Phillip. of a sudden, no, not Philip. Yeah, because he's changed. Changed man. <laughs> no, who's Pee Wee's nemesis? The fat guy, the guy from Teen Wolf. I don't, I don't, I don't remember yeah. his name. Oh god, that, how can I not remember that? We just did that movie. Uh, Francis. There you go. Um, he was in Fletch and Empire of the Sun. He was like one of the, the beach bum drug addicts in Fletch. 
Wait, was he the really young one that Fletch yeah. asked how old he is? Yeah. Okay. Your dog's really wound up. He's barking about, well, nobody else is home, so it's just me. So it's possible that somebody either, oh, nope, that's my family that just came home. All right. Uh, Led Zeppelin 1 was, or just Led <laughs> Zeppelin, was released in 1969, as was Led Zeppelin 2. Oh, wow. Uh, the chick that was in the Wonder Years. Yes. That, that was Olivia Diablo. She right. was also in Conan the Destroyer. The Bond chick was Miriam Diabo. She was in Playboy in 1987. And she was the cousin of, of Mike Diabo. And hence, her first cousin, once removed, is Olivia. Right. And they, they look like they could be sisters. So different, different Diabos. Yes. <laughs> but I had that in my notes as well. Uh, the bike model was a depending. Are you, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you not hear me? Matt? I'm here. Okay, we're back. Why'd you now. pause it? Because you're. Are you there? Are you there? Are you there? Oh, <laughs> no, you were kind of like kind of fits in in and out there for a minute. Nah, but the bike model, depending on which site on the internet you believe, no matter what, it's a Schwinn DX Cruiser, but it's either from the 1950s or mm-hmm. the early 40 or late 40s. Okay, all right. Um, we we kind of had a verbal crutch last week. The two of us did. We both said funny, haha, like nine times. Well, was it funny, haha? Not really. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, you asked if uh, the place I stayed, Traverse City, was the city in American Pie 2. Okay. Well, I said close to it because the dunes were in American Pie 2. It was actually took, American Pie 2 takes place in a fictional city called Michigan Beach. And only one scene in that, that entire film was filmed in Michigan, in Grand Haven, Michigan, actually. Okay. I have nothing else. Okay. Uh, odd job in Goldfinger. Um, I, I thought it was, mm-hmm. I'm assuming you know who ran, Random Task is, right? Random Task. Yes. In what movie in series what, was he What in? movie was he in? Uh, the Austin Powers James films. Bond? No, he was, he played the odd job character in the Austin Powers film. Oh, ra- so random task, odd right. job. Yes. Ha ha. Okay. I get it. Yeah. He, uh, he got arrested for something and he had to give a DNA thing and he ended up, he was like a serial rapist. <laughs> oh, the guy who played random task. Yes. Oh, yikes. Okay. The car driven by Mickey was an Etzel. Um, the location of the dinosaur park is actually known as Cabazon Dinosaurs, formerly Claude Bell's Dinosaurs. It's in Cabazon, California. Uh, the, mm. the extras on the movie set were not from the black hole. That was a mad lie. Uh, Morgan Fairchild was fully nude in a movie called The Seduction. I mean, full nudity, but it's really, really, really crappy quality. Oh, And uh, the video game was Mach 3. Not Mach One, which is the Razor. The Razor. Yes. Okay, I see. I would. I would have said the opposite. <laughs> I would have said Mach Three were the Razors, and Mach One was the video game. Okay, moving on. Who did better? Was it done? Oh, man. 
Mass. So you got in my kitchen a little bit there. The razors are actually also Mach 3. Oh, really? Yes. As you, you, you run back, I, you had a little bit of coming back. But oh, no, that, no, that wasn't me. That was, uh, that was my kid coming down to say hello and give me a hug. Oh, okay. Okay. So yes. surprisingly, there's not much because I wasn't going to pull every single peewee one. Oh, really? But oh, disappointing. I, I, I totally forgot. There is something that, well, I'll, I'll do it after this segment. But the first one is you, and it's actually from the week before. Never gonna dance again. I'm never gonna dance again. Is that what you were George talking Michael. about? Yes, my George Michael was spot on, man. Can you stop molesting your microphone? <laughs> I was lowering it because I last week at the end of the podcast, I was standing, so I had raised it. And I was wondering, why is my neck craning up so much to talk into this thing? Okay, but the, the next one is both of us. It's a me. Mario. It's a me. About you. Yes. It's me, Mario. Uh, the next two are both me, and they're closely tied together. Misa Jaja. Misa Jaja Binks. So I got that one wrong. Uh-huh. And then there's this one. You say people gonna die? <laughs> you say thinking, you say people gonna die? <laughs> wow. Big time Mandela effects on both of those. Yes. Uh, the next one is you. I see a bicycle. Where is it? <laughs> I see a bicycle. Yes! Is it okay? It's okay. It's okay. Where is it? Yeah, I had to go long to get the where is it part. I suppose, yes. The next one is you. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Kramer the chicken. Or is it a turkey? Yeah, I think he's a turkey, yes. Uh, the next one is also you. I'm in the middle of nowhere! <laughs> I'm in the middle of nowhere! Not bad. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, the next one is also you. Excuse me! Excuse me! <laughs> Excuse me! Excuse me! Excuse me! Excuse me! Excuse me! Excuse me! Yeah, you were short about four oh, excuse yeah. me's. Mm-hmm. And the last, I'm not sure if this is what you meant or if this is what you wanted. Because it, it can't be because it's it's so out there. But anyway, you are you are you are officially a member of the tribe. Wonderful. We are now a part of the tribe. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> okay, but I'm going to give this nothing week to Scott. Scott. Nothing of Scott. No, he's not here. Oh, but but, but I, and I couldn't tell which one was him and which was actually from the movie itself. So I'm going to give it to Scott. All right. But there is something I found accidentally today. I was not looking for it, but I found it. And it it would have been great to play last week. Um, let me just play like the first little snippet and see if you can tell what it is. Okay, can you tell what that is? Oh, that was uh, from the dating game with Pee Wee Herman. to the radio, watching TV, and watching birds. And he's known for his ability to walk on a tightrope and do trapeze work. Meet Pee Wee Herman. I carry you. <laughs> I am number 
two, what's the first thought that comes to your mind when you hear the, hear the word go? When I hear the word go, I think about when I was taking traffic school lessons and when I was driving in my car and going real fast in, in my little Volkswagen bus and speeding down the street real fast and trying to get over to your house. It's a very uncomfortable watch. Yeah, another thing that was uncomfortable to watch because he, he talks about walking on trapeze was a cold open of Saturday Night Live where he was the guest host and the cold open was him on a tightrope between the Twin Towers <laughs> and he was getting attacked by birds. <laughs> well, you, you know, that did actually happen. Right. Well, and, and well, not not by Pee Wee Herman, but no. somebody else somebody else did it. Right. And then King Kong jumped across from one to the other. Right. So ready to move on? Yes. I am. Hey, man, what's new now? What's fucking new now? Your week, I have almost nothing, so go ahead. I, As do I. A rain day on Monday, and I was all set to go see Oppenheimer. And I'm thinking to myself, my kids are home. I got shit to do. It's a three-hour movie. It's 20 minutes there. It's 20 minutes back. It's another fucking half hour of commercials and trailers. Now I'll just pass. I'll just wait till I can watch it for free. Yeah, because that's a that's a that's a big commitment, man. But it, there, it from what I understand, I've not seen it because I've been on the fence. I've I've been thinking about going to see it, but it is a three-plus-hour film. So figure, yeah. pillar to post, you're looking at four and a half hours. Yeah, but it. Is it a film that needs to be seen on the big screen? I guess some of the scenes are just incredible visually, but it's also kind of a very talky film. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. So I don't know. So I, I, I opted not to. I opted to stay home and get shit done and hang out with my family. And, and they had a nice rain day. And it rained all day. Uh, and then I got into a Facebook fight with some guy. I'm, I'm part of a Facebook group called War, War Movie Zone or yeah, War Movie Zone. And he was talking about like his top Vietnam War movies and he had put The Deer Hunter as number one. And my first comment was, really? The Deer Hunter? It had sit in its system upon itself. I got lots of likes for that. But then he went into this long tirade of, of why The Deer Hunter was so great. And we just went back and forth. Um, until he finally just. Decided he wasn't going to respond. Yeah, he walked off. So I don't normally get into Facebook fights or internet fights, but they can be fun, can't they? I wouldn't know. I never. And that's really it, man. It's it's been work and uh, going to the Dells for on Sunday for a couple of days, kind of a last hurrah with the family for summer. Um, I don't think we've been to the Dells in like five years. Um. So, yay. Yeah, yes, water park, USA. Every now and then, Google goes down. Have Have you ever run into that when you're trying to Google something and just Google as a search engine is not working? Never. Okay, that happened not that long ago. It was only mm-hmm. down for like an hour or so. But it was when I was pulling images for the board for the podcast, so I had to use Bing mm-hmm. to get images. Okay, all right. Have you ever used Bing? No, I mean, probably twenty years ago. Probably it's, the last time I used Bing was when I was the last time I used Ask Jeeves. It, it's awesome. Is it? If you're looking for pornography, it is awesome. <laughs> Why? What's the difference between that and Google? It, it just it brings up porn results with basically everything. 
Oh, all right. And a lot of it is kind of obscure. But the only other thing I have is there are there are things that I will stories I will text you. Sometimes text you, sometimes text you in lawn chair. Things that I want to talk about or I thought were were funny and I know I cannot talk about on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And something happened a couple days ago. And it was one of those things okay. that I was sure that I would not be able to talk about. But Jen said I could talk about it. So here goes. My oldest went back to school last week. And my youngest is leaving this coming Wednesday to go down to school for the first time. So the, the tears are coming. I know the tears are coming. But as my youngest is getting prepared to leave for, for college for the first time for good, he's having lots of kids over. Um, lots As people have been slowly moving off to college, they've kind of been in waves. It's like uh, one group was a week ago, and then last night it was a different group of people. But last Friday, Saturday, Sunday, something like I don't remember which day it was. Jen was downstairs in the laundry room. And this is 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And all Dawson comes in through the garage with all his friends. And then Jen comes upstairs. And it's 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock. So she is wearing her night clothes. She's got no bra on. So mm-hmm. I said... So you gave you gave these these teenagers a thrill because you, your tits are just hanging out. She's like, they are not hanging out. And I said, look at the shirt you're wearing. It's it's a tank top. <laughs> if you lean forward, it's all over the place. You're putting on a show. Yeah. And she's like, they don't care. I'm like, yes, yes, they do. <laughs> if if you had a chance, to, we've talked about boobs in the wild. Boobs in the wild. It's you you gave these kids a thrill. And she didn't do it intentionally, but I, I still think at the same time, you know, she probably had a little bit of pride if they, they took a peek. Sure. But I, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. It just, I, I'm, I just don't think she realized what she was putting out there, but she said, Hey, after, after nine o'clock, I'm not wearing a bra and that, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. So time for the start right. of the week. Yes. I feel like any hints will just give it away. Okay. Um, I would probably get it. And if I didn't get it, I'd be super pissed. Okay. So let's take a listen. Okay. Yeah, I got it. How do I get out of this chicken shit outfit? So I, I was that at first I thought it was a gun. It sounded like a gun being cocked or loaded, but it's not. Okay, it is <clears> when <throat> Ripley is getting into the the load lifter on well, the um Salako. Yes, bef- be- when they're on their way to the planet, and she's helping out with moving cargo around. Well, play the second reveal. 
<laughs> Bay 12, please. Okay. That's the first reveal. That was the first reveal. Oh, sorry. Number three. Just come out. Let me see it. Hi. I feel like kind of a fifth wheel around here. Is there anything I can do? I don't know. Is there anything you can do? Well, I can drive that loader. I have a class two rating. Be my guest. Does she speak bocce? (laughs) All right. Time to uh, move on to the movie. Certainly. So I was going to, uh, I've been playing around with chat GPT and I was going to, I was going to have AI write this song for me. Um, But seeing, you know, what I had been playing around with. Did you ever read the story that I sent you? No, I did not. <laughs> you did not read the story that I sent that was about you and Lawn Share? I, I read part of it. It was super, super long. Well, I said, write me a, a 1,000. <laughs> write me a 1,000 word story about a gay vampire named Matt Bach <laughs> who can only get his blood by sucking some guy's cock who falls in love with an eco-terrorist named TJ. <laughs> And they fall in love, and and they they save the rainforests. Okay, I have a question for you before you go on. <laughs> okay, who took the picture of TJ with his helmet? I don't know. I mean, he probably had some sort of reflective something or another. I'm not sure because that camera was too far away from him to for it to be like a selfie that he was holding onto. Yeah, I don't know, man. All right. Anyway. Anyway, so I wrote the song. It's not great, but it gets the job done. Charlie Sheen was in this movie. Seemed like only for a minute. The guy who drank brake fluid in the Beast had a role that was more prominent. There was D.B. Sweeney and John Cuckoo said they weren't well known at all. Doc Brown and Frazier's there, the sheriff and Superman too. Baby face in Big Red One, and Peter Quill's adopted there. The blind guy in sneakers are in eight men out. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This week we are doing Eight Men Out, released June 29th, 1989, grossing $5.6 million on a $6 million budget. Had an 87% Rotten Tomato critic score and an 80% Rotten Tomato audience score. Directed by John Sales. Really known for nothing unless you've heard, uh, that you've heard of except for maybe a couple of Bruce Springsteen videos. Starring a cattle car worth of those guys, but most notably, John Cusack, best known for class, Charlie Sheen, best known for drinking tiger blood, David Strathairn, best known for reading a playboy by Braille in sneakers, DB Sweeney, best known for Memphis Bell, and Michael Rooker, best known for Star-Lord's Adopted Dad. Last week at the end of the podcast, I had said that Ray Liotta was in this. Yes. Well, he was in 
Field of Dreams. Yes. And do you know who he played in Field of Dreams? Shoeless Joe. Yeah. So that's where I think I got fucked up. So had you seen this movie before? No. And not only had I not seen this film, I thought this film was a different film. Oh, it, and really? I thought it was about the same thing. Um, and we'll get to that later. Um, because remember I said, when you said the movie we were doing, I said, oh, that was M. Night Shyamalan's first film or something like that, which is obviously it's not true. I will be able to explain that later. Why? It's not M. Night Shyamalan. It's another prominent director, their first mm. film. It, not this film, but the film I thought was this film. Oh. But no, okay. I'd never seen it before. Okay. I had not seen one second of this film. It's kind of a, one of those sports movies that I had already always wanted to see um, and really didn't know a whole lot about the subject matter. And I have a feeling that a lot of creative liberties were taken with yes. this film. Yes. I I actually was going to ask you how familiar you were with it. I had not I did not know much about it until after I was done with the film then I read a little bit about it and there are some things that are drastically different. Mhm. And yeah. for some reason I was confusing Shoeless Joe Jackson with um who's the guy? The racist he, oh, Ty, Mark, Cobb, Ty Cobb? Yeah, Mark Wahlberg, the guy in the stands. Yeah, Ty Cobb. Mark Wahlberg? He, yeah, he Mark Wahlberg, the guy. He blinded a guy in the stands with oh. his cleat. I thought it was that he had taken off a guy, like he took a guy's fake arm off of him and beat him with that. Well, that's probably another thing he did. <laughs> yeah. But I had him confused, and that was confusing me a little bit with how positive the portrayal of, of Joe was in this film. I was like, I thought this guy was a real asshole. He seems like he's kind of stupid, but I mean, other than that, he seems fine. <laughs> Slow Joe. Is yeah. like the, the predecessor to Gojo for G.I. Joe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, uh, along with his looks and the way that he talks and his slow manner he reminded me of droopy the cartoon dog <laughs> okay that's fair that's doesn't fair. he look like him a little bit a little bit yeah like db sweeney never gets sleep and just has these gigantic bags under his eyes all the time see i would say i know him best from the cutting edge yeah i suppose i another movie that i've never seen all the way through oh that that film gets quoted in this house at least once a month really not by me by jen just one oh. line. She says Topic. Topic? Yes. All right. It's when the, right. the, the so lady is trying to teach him how to skate on figure skates instead of hockey skates. And that's mm -hmm. how you stop with figure skates as a toe pick. But. Oh. Okay. All right. So the movie starts. It's an Orion film. And there's some old-timey music playing over the credits. And what I did here – hold on a second. What I, what I did here is I took the the – the song from the beginning of this film and then the song from the beginning of another film. And I want you to two things. I want you to tell me which one is which and then what the song from the what other movie the song is from, which I'm sure you know. Okay. Based on the Facebook post. Okay. So that was one, and here is the other. Okay, Eight Men Out is the second one. And the, the first one is from Trashy Lady. 
uh, you got the trashy lady part right. Oh, but I had him backwards? <laughs> yes. Oh, well, I guess. <laughs> I, I, I called these Muppets credits. <laughs> yeah, because I think in the it's supposed to be following the track of a fly ball mm. through the sky. Okay. But if you if you look at the IMDB notes and you look at who's starring in this film, the the more more of the some of the more famous people are like way down on the list. Mm-hmm. And I think that's based on how the credits appear on, in the film. It could be. And the, and the credits, like the principal players are listed in alphabetical order. So, but they go through that. It's uh, Chicago, 1919. Um, there's some kid running and yelling for Bucky, who is John Cusack. And there's kids playing a, a pickup baseball game. And they these two kids are going to see the Sox. Oh, now, these- oh I was confused. Okay. Why? I, I thought that first kid, the kid that was yelling, and he was yelling for Bucky, I thought that was Steve Rogers. Okay, I get it now. Please continue. Not Steve Rogers. Oh, you thought the kid was Steve Rogers? No, no. The kid was yelling for Bucky. The kid that, ye- that was yelling for Bucky, because Bucky is the other kid's name. What? There's two kids. Yeah. And one of them is nicknamed Bucky. He even says that to John Cusack's character later. He says he's named Bucky after you. Oh, I do. Okay. Oh, okay. I mean, my my notes are are mildly half-assed taken for this film. How could they be? This film is very dense. Oh, my God. There's a lot going on. But but that's that's what I mean. It's like after a while, you're like, oh, God. I got to stop this movie again and type some more shit out. Yeah. No, but these that. kids are going to see this, the, the White Sox. And it, see, this is where I was confused. It's the Black Sox scandal. I thought that the actual name of the team was the Black Sox, and they changed it to the White Sox because to take away the shame of this scandal. Yeah. So there but, is, um, there's two schools of thought. One is that they were known as the Black Sox because of the scandal. And then there's another part of it that they were actually known as the Black Sox before the scandal because who owned the White Sox? Comiskey. He was so cheap that he refused to pay for the team to get their their clothes laundered. So oh, their socks got so dark from playing that they looked mm-hmm. black, which is why they were called the Black Sox. And, and they named a stadium after this guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a, he's a real piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. But how how much was it for the two of them to get into the game, into the bleachers? Oh, God. Was it like a nickel each or something? It's two bits. And do you know what two bits is? And a shave and a haircut. Two bits. It's a quarter. Shave and and a haircut. Two bits. Two bits. So a shave and a haircut was 50 cents because a quarter is two bits, which I don't understand how that works out because then is a bit 12 and a half cents? I, I don't know, man. But anyway, the kids are excited. They have bleacher tickets, and yes, the game's already going on. Yeah, but, but anytime you see olden times, like in uh, the Untouchables, for example, another period piece around the same time, the thing that always amazes me, and it's true about this time period, is everybody is in suits and dresses all the time. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. poor people wore suits all the time. 
Yeah, man. You you represented yourself well. I mean, it's <clears throat> it was a different day and age. You know, we just got done with fighting World War One, and there's a lot of pride going on, going around in the country, and you just people represented themselves well. Now you go on an airplane, and people are in fucking flip flops and you know board shorts and looking like shit and stinking and being rude to everybody. Fuck those people. I'm not rude to people. I still don't understand people who wear sandals on a fucking plane. Jesus. I don't I don't, I don't see the big deal. I wore pajamas feet, on the plane once. Feet are fucking First of all, feet are disgusting, okay? There's that. You're not a foot guy? Sec, no, it's fucking feet are just like just 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 the idea of touching somebody else's foot other than mine or my children's or my missus's feet. Just gross. Gross. It's 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 like it's they're dirtier than your penis. <laughs> I'd put my penis in a shoe often. <laughs> you have a shoe penis or a penis shoe? It's, it's, it's Velcro. Like the little it's new balance. Like the fucking like the um in fucking Sesame Street with Bert and Ernie and the little worm that he kept in a little box. His little worm box. Okay, I don't I don't I'm not familiar with that one, but a penis shoe. Uh yeah. No man, it's it's you should you should wear closed toed shoes on an airplane. Because you're you know, you could stub your toe or get stepped on or I don't know. It's, that's just my opinion. Moving on. But uh there's the press box. The owner walks in and he is like I said in the song, he's the sheriff from Superman two. And they go through the press box into like a, a grander room. I don't even know what you would call that. Like the, like the private owner's room. Yeah. Like owner's box before they had that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. And there is a huge spread of food there. And the owner has this to say. If my boys will win, just a matter of how many games it's going to take us. Think it could go to full nine? Nine games? Not a chance. You sound pretty cocky. I got the horses, Smitty. I got the horses. And more than that, I got the team, fellas. Kid Gleason's done a heck of a job at the helm this year, bringing these boys together, smoothing out the defense, building up the offense, getting the boys to think and move together. Hell, they eat together, travel together, room together in the road. When it's time to play, they let off steam together. No room for prima donnas in this ball club. Every man for the good of the team. And he, he said something in there that confused me, and it actually made more sense later when he says the whole nine. And because, you know, that is a, that's a turn of phrase, the whole nine yards, obviously different mm -hmm. sport, but I was confused what they meant by going the whole nine. Do you know what they meant? I, not the nine game series. Yeah. It was World a best series of nine. Was a nine. Yeah. Well, think about it back then you had the, the two leagues and, um, the pennant race was 162 games, right? And then, and then it just went to the World Series. There was no wild card or NLCS or you know anything like that. It just went right to the World Series. So yeah, you played nine games. The whole nine yards—that's a military term. Okay, like give them the whole nine yards. Something about nine yards of gunpowder or something like that. So I thought it was from Canadian football because you need nine yards for a first down in Canadian football. 
Shut up. Because of the conversion. <laughs> Shut up. But actually, they played nine games, and I have it later in the notes. There were three years that they played nine games, best of nine series. Every other oh, year, only? it was best of seven, yes. Oh, I, d- I did not know that. But uh, there's but we, one yeah, thing we, that Comiskey said that was really interesting and completely bullshit, is he, he says how the team hangs out together, they're friends, they, they, wind, they wind, wind down together, they do everything together. This team was split basically in half. Yeah, because you go right down to some field of play, and um, there's a nice double play, and then there's two guys that are riding Collins, who is the college guy. I just refer to him as the college boy in my notes. Yes. Um, yes. And there's some bullying. There's some bullying against him. Did you recognize this guy? See, I, I thought his name was Biff, but it's actually Brent. Brent Collins. No, it's, it's or it's. Can't buy me love thing. What's your college boy's name? Biff. His oh. name happens to be Brent. There's a difference. <laughs> okay, can we please just stop the, the <laughs> "Can't Buy Me Love" references? God damn it! <laughs> no, no, this guy is uh, he's a vaude vaudevillian clown. Okay, so he showed up on an episode of the Cosby Show where Cliff takes Rudy and a bunch of her classmates to some vaudeville show and they're all bored by the axe until this guy comes out and does this just amazing body acrobatic stuff that he does. And then also it's, it's sad that I know this, but we watched a lot of Sesame street when my oldest was really little. And during the Elmo segment, there was this guy, this guy was, what the fuck was his name? Mr. Something or another. And he would do, no, it wasn't Mr. Fucking Snuffleupagus. Hey, bird. Uh, he just, he did just like weird, again, contortionist stuff. So that's how I know this guy. Okay. The Snuffleupagus, everybody thought that Snuffleupagus was a figment of bird's imagination, right? Yes. Okay. Which, how, how can a big fucking furry elephant hide? <laughs> In the ghetto. He really blended into he really blended into those brownstone buildings, I guess. Yes. Even Mr. Yeah. Hooper didn't believe Big Bird. No. But uh Comiskey tells the reporters that any bet against his team in this series is a sucker bet. Uh and then we got Doc Brown, Christopher Lloyd, and a guy with a fucked up no- nose. Did you recognize him? Probably not. Yeah, I did. He I- was He's, uh, I can't remember what, he's in another film we've, de- we've done. Platoon. Okay, yeah. But Doc says something about Collins. He says he's the only one being paid what he's worth. Uh huh. Does that mean that he's getting paid a lot or a little? I would say a lot. Okay. Because he's got a college education. So, I mean, you know, there was no free agency or switching teams. I think once you were on a team, you were on a fucking team. You oh. weren't going anywhere. Oh, yeah. If, if you, there was, uh, this whole thing where if you refused to play for a team, you could not play for any other team. And yeah. that was one of the reasons that there was this scandal was obviously a big thing because it was the World Series, but it was not an isolated incident. This happened across okay. the league a lot of times because you had guys that were, journeymen that are making not even enough money to get by basically so gamblers could go in and get them to you know throw an error or do whatever because 
they had no money. Right. Right. You know this microphone stand that I'm using? Uh-huh. I've been I've been using the kind that's kind of like on an arm and I can move it around and this one is just basically has your your bottom disc and then the the shaft uh-huh. <laughs> that goes to the sure. microphone and I'm grabbing it and as I'm grabbing it all I'm thinking of Murdoch <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> Actually listen to that today. You can put that on the arm. Did you? you? Know that? What's that? You can put that on in the arm. I'm sure I could. It's, it's been a busy week. I haven't had time, Matt. But one of the the two kids are in the bleachers, and they had said that they're the best seats in the whole stadium. And I'm thinking they can't see anything. But what no, is, they can't. One kid nudges the other one, and he starts fake crying. And what is this yeah. whole thing about? Oh, the guy in front. They said the guy in front made him spill his Cracker Jack, so the dude gives him a dime. Right. And then we go back so, to Doc Brown. And, scam artist. Yeah. And who's Doc talking about now? Yeah. Chick Gandal, who is Michael Rooker, who is Star-Lord's adopted dad. He also was uh, Cole Trickle's nemesis in Days of Thunder. Yeah, he was also Daryl's brother in The Walking Dead. Oh, I thought you were going to say on Newhart. <laughs> yes. Yeah, also he might do business. <laughs> yeah, he might, be, he might do. What's that? His name would also be Daryl then. My brother Daryl. Yes, yes other, other he might do Darryl. business. Okay. Yeah. Then talk, then they're talking about Jackson. Uh, well, he can do it all, but he can't read. And um, yeah, and he, it's and the, Joe. It, he's yeah. going up to bat, and he's actually talking to his bat as he's getting as he's approaching the plate. And I have that. You know, help me now. So fuck you, Joe. I do it myself. I can't believe you didn't think there would be any like other movies to pull from for this. I thought maybe you were going to pull, oh, Billy, 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 Billy. Oh, Billy, 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 Billy. I watched that too. <laughs> but yeah, there's guys that are busting his balls and uh, another guy's telling them to, you know, leave it be. But uh, he's up to bat and he's got a big old dip in, which he does in most of this movie. Yes. And there's some guy yelling from the stand, hey, read any books lately? And he hits a triple. And then that same guy says, can you spell cat? And what does Jackson respond with? Can you spell shit? Yeah. Haha. Good one. Burn! But then uh, Cusack is up at the plate, and what is Cusack's name? Buck Weaver. My name is Buck, and I'm here to fuck. <laughs> What's that from? Kill Bill. Oh. Terrible film. All right. You didn't like it? No, I did not. Did you see the second one? I did not because I I <laughs> disliked the first one so much I never saw the second one. Oh, all right. You didn't see how it ended then. Well, she kills Bill. Do you know that for sure? Yes. Okay. And she also leaves one. Actually, I think that's in the first one. She leaves a daughter alive of somebody that she kills because that was actually going to be the sequel where the daughter of one of the people that um, I can't even remember what her, her the character's name was kills. Viv. Vivica A. Fox. Yeah, Vivica A. Fox's daughter was going to come back, and it was going to be called Kill whatever. Kill Uma? Yeah. Yeah, Uma, Oprah. Yeah, I can't remember what her character's name was in that. but All right. But, uh, yeah, they say that he doesn't like to lose. Uh, they talk about Shulk, who is the catcher, who was in a bunch of stuff, 
but his biggest role was like 257 episodes of NYPD Blue. Wow. That, that's a lot of fucking ep- That show was on a long time, man. Yeah. That's 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Not a chance with him. And then talking about Eddie, who is David Stratham. And he's the guy who plays Whistler in Sneakers. Sneak, yes. Um, and I don't know. I don't know who says he's got two or three more seasons left in him. Yeah, and it, it's funny because he he's the guy he's pitching against. He hits one deep, just foul. Then he hits another one deep, j- just foul. And the catcher is but getting, over the fence. Both of them. Yeah, both of them are over the fence, but just foul. And the the coach is nervous, and the the people in the stands are calling him old man. And the the catcher is giving the the pitcher Eddie signals, but the the coach has a different idea of what he should do for the the pitch. You have an idea what this one is? Yes, I do. Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Yeah, <laughs> but it's actually a knuckleball. It's a knuckleball. Yes. Uh. Yeah. Uh, and he strikes him out. And then the, pr- um, the press then is the talking. Guys, so, go ahead. Sorry. The, 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 well, Doc Brown and the guy from Platoon um, say that they need Eddie or it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the so, key. She, yeah. Uh, Martin, she- not Martin Sheen. Charlie Sheen is in the outfield and he catches the last out and runs into a metal door. And, and what is his character's name? Is it Hap? It's Felch. Oh, it is Felch? Yes, it is Felch. <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure he's Felch? I'm positive. I have, his name is Felch. I will remember that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that's the end of the ball game. Yes. They go into the, into the clubhouse and, well, there's something waiting for them. Uh, what's the scoop, Harry? Mr. Kaminsky sent these down for you. These congratulations for a successful pennant race. Well, that's wide of him. Uh, <laughs> he didn't happen to mention when we could expect that bonus he promised us if we took the flag, did he? This is your bonus. Fellas, if it was up to me. Okay, we got no beef with you. It's flat. Okay, it's time for the easiest part. Hold on, hold on. Nope, nope, not yet. Sorry. Well, you were were paused. I was going to lead into it. So, back in the olden days, when they made it to the World Series, they had to cut down to a certain number of players. Okay, it's time for the easiest part of any coach's job, the cuts. Now, while I wasn't able to cut everyone I wanted to, I have cut a lot of you. Wendell is cut. Rudy is cut. Janie, you're gone. Steven, I like your hustle. That's why it was so hard to cut you. Congratulations. The rest of you made the team. (sighs) Except you, you, and you. But the the players aren't happy. This is symbolic of how Comiskey is just a cheap bastard. Yes, but yet he feeds all the reporters and up up in the owner's room they toast 
to the team and then throw their glasses into the fireplace. Yeah, and I'm sure that's fine scotch, too. Right. And fine crystal as well. And we get introduced to two people here that I don't know their actual names. Well, actually, I have one of the two names, but I'd refer to them as Mortimer and Ring. (laughs) They're the two reporters that kind of help us follow along a little bit. And the, the younger guy is actually the director of the film. Okay, but the older guy looks like Mortimer of Mortimer, <laughs> Mortimer and Randolph from okay from uh, uh-huh. the Eddie Murphy film. Uh, yeah, Trading places. places. Yes. Yeah. And they're talking to a, what do you call him, a janitor, the guy that's sweeping the stands? The black guy? Yes. Well, they had to have a black guy somewhere in this movie. Well, they're, so. they're talking to him and they say the guys look good and best looking team. And then the janitor says best white team anyway. Well, yeah, the the Negro Leagues were, I mean, were filled with amazing ball players. So that's two racial things that were were said in the last two minutes of this film. And I thought this was going to be something that was going to be recurring, but that is actually it for a racial component to this film. Well, I think that's just kind of like the, okay, we checked the box. We talked about it, the Negro team, kind of like Band of Brothers, where... It's they're driving at night. The Red Ball Express is taking Easy Company to Bastogne, and it's they focus on the the black driver, and um, all the trucks have their lights on, which was kind of a no no. And Buck Compton says, "Looks like no blackout tonight," which was kind of a a rip on on Spike Lee because he would always say, you know, the Clint Eastwood, um. Iwo Jima movies didn't have any representation of, of black soldiers or did they, or did, no, I think they did show the black guys on the flags of our father bringing in ammo crates and stuff on the beach. So black band of brother, band of brothers was checking the box on that one, but it's time for the team picture. And Buck says to pretend like it's Comiskey's wake. And then they all smile. Right. And then it, it slowly fades to black and white. And then the next scene, Kathy Bates is singing in a club. <laughs> she did look like her, didn't she? Yeah. And yeah. I had to look this and up. Where was this compared to Prohibition? This was a year before Prohibition. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I had to look that up as well. Uh, but there's some of the team guys are talking at the bar. Babyface from the Big Red One is a bench warmer. Uh, and the owner of the Double Douche is talking to Chick and two chicks. <laughs> Just supposing you need at least two starting pitchers, a couple of infielders, a couple of uh, heavy hitters. I mean, if you really want to be sure. What about the socks? Six, maybe seven, they'd go for it. <laughs> I say you'd need at least 10,000 apiece. Of course. Who could put that kind of money together? I could. <laughs> you go back to Boston and turn 70 grand at the drop of a hat. I find it hard to believe. You say you can find seven men on the best club that ever took the field willing to throw the World Series? I find that hard to believe. You never played for Charlie Comiskey. Well, and just prior to that, there's a couple of the guys that were at the bar talking about Comiskey, and one of them says, 
he's the only one that makes the money. And I think it's Cusack that says, well, it's his club. It's his stadium. And that's kind of a big thing in American culture today that, oh, the business owner makes all the money. And it's like, well, you know, he is the one that put up the initial capital to get this thing going. And has, he's the one that takes all the risks. Uh, and he's the one that pays your salary and does give you a job. Sorry if you don't think it's enough or you're getting screwed, but if you don't like it, go get a job somewhere else. The thing that's amazing is I know you've been watching Winning Time. When mm. I, I I still never even finished the first episode of the second season. Okay, well they talk a little bit about contracts in the very first episode, and about how oh, much yeah. somebody's oh. making a year. Yes, and it's just mind blowing how little it is. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm not talking about inflation. I'm just talking about if it adjusted for inflation, a starter on the Lakers, not Magic Johnson or Kareem, but one of the other starters, would have been making the equivalent of eighty grand a year. Yeah. And today, that that's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. And and you talk about um, the owners when the very first season of of that show, it it talked all about how. He had to do, Jerry Buss had to do a lot of financial voodoo to stave off bankruptcy because even with one of the premier clubs in the NBA, he was barely able to make payroll and being able to make payments on the forum and stuff like that. Things have Mm -hmm. changed a lot. You look at uh, Jerry Jones paid probably, I think it was like $150 million for Dallas when he bought him, and now they're worth like $6 billion. Yeah. So things have changed. Yeah. And also players also, the the league minimum for major leagues is probably close to a million. In baseball? Yeah. No. No, I I no. I'm sure some of those bench guys and some of those Yeah, no, it's not a million. I mean, maybe the veterans minimum is something like that. Seven hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Is the veterans minimum? That is the rookie minimum salary. Wow, that's still not a bad salary to play a game. No, I mean, that is several years of a very, very good job. Yeah. But anyway, um, the yeah. guy, there's there, a guy with Doc. There's another guy, there, there's another guy who um, his wife comes in and grabs the, his her cuck husband. Yes. <laughs> Claude. He's, he's one of the pitchers, and he the other guys are talking about that he sneaks out when they're on the road to go bang his wife. Right. Yeah, I broke like, curfew in Philly to do that. On the road? Like, these guys all have, you know, road hoes that they go see. Well, if they're not making but, money, there's uh, got to be some benefit to it. Sure. But now Chick and Swede, and Swede is the guy from The Beast who... I was the loader or the gunner i think he was the gunner in the tank that drank the brake fluid yes to get drunk yes they're talking at the urinals about the plan and the the dude from big red one Babyface. i think his name is freddie he's the bench player yes, he, comes he comes out, out of the, the stall yes yeah and he's like hey guys are you gonna cut me in it's like if you're gonna talk about that sort of thing wouldn't you check to see that there's nobody else in there right and there, there's a couple things here. They are talking about um, it's uh, they want 10, 10K a game each. 
And how much is that in today's money, approximately? One hundred twenty thousand dollars. One hundred seventy-two. All right. And there's a yeah, the guy's a bench player, but you had mentioned it before, and I thought you had it wrong because in it, you actually refer to him as sweet. I think Swede. It's I know it's Swede, but you refer to him as sweet. But I was going to say in one know? of the clip, in yeah. one of the clips, and in no, your the... notes, yeah, that I have from you, the things that you sent to me. So I thought what I was going to have to explain to you who this guy actually was because he actually appeared in a film we have not done, but we've talked about. Oh, Swede. Sweet, 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 sweet. You know what that's from, right? That's from Heartbreak Ridge. Yes. Swede. But Big guy. I'm going to tear your head off and shit down your neck. Not bad. That's actually in that scene, so I just saw that. But well, no, Swede says that, doesn't he? No. Uh, um, yeah. Are no. you sure Swede doesn't say that to Gunny? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because if, if you were trying to do Swede, that doesn't sound No, that was not a good Swede. No, that was that was better Clint Eastwood. Yes. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah. But they're, they're like, you're not even going to play. He's like, well, I know about the plan. You got to <laughs> cut me in now. <laughs> and then who walks in? Uh, Doc Brown and Sal from Platoon. And is Sal from Platoon also one of the guys that stole... Cameron's dad's car in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes, yes, you are correct. Okay. Because I said I knew him yeah. from somewhere, and that's what it says in my notes here. Okay. But I'm thinking, are they going to double dip this thing? Well, that's, yeah, that's what they actually say. They're going to double dip. And, yeah, but uh, uh, what if they find out? What if they do? What are they going to do? Call the cops? And th- this is a common thing that yeah. comes up several times. What are you going to do? Call the cops? And, and it works uh-huh. both ways. It sure does. But later that night, uh, Eddie's wife is massaging his arm, and he says that you know he can feel it in his spine every time he throws a fastball. And he has no control over the knuckleball. Yeah. And he's got two and, daughters. Mm-hmm. And, and the wife said something here that I thought was kind of touching, because she says to the daughters, the pitcher in the World Series isn't a salesman. That's your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> your daddy is going to pitch in the World Series. And then Matt has a sad jerk. <laughs> but Buck is walking down the street. Uh-huh. The two kids from earlier talk to him, and he gives them money because he says that he stunk up the joint. And they want to see some tricks. And I didn't know what this meant. I thought he was going to start juggling or something. <laughs> okay. But no, he's just basically rolling them ground balls and stuff. And okay. This, there is, uh, I'm sure you've seen little videos uh, of things with people, uh, hockey players, baseball players, whatever, signing autographs, showing up at hospitals for kids, doing whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And today it's a little bit different because all these people are making tons of money. But yeah. it, it's still... I, I think even though the, it's a bigger thrill for the kids, I would think that as a, just as a human, to have somebody be so excited to just be in your presence and talk to you for a short period of time would be just a huge thing. And mm-hmm. you're giving somebody a, a memory of a lifetime and it costs you nothing but a moment of your time. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you see these guys that, um, you know, they nominate one player from each NFL team for the Walter Payton, Walter Payton Man of the Year sure. award. And I'm sure there's a bunch of the guys that are doing shit like that on the team. And then I'm sure there's guys that are just doing nothing. There's got to be. Well, there's one guy who won the Walter Payton Man of the Year who almost got went to jail for teabagging a trainer. So I, I don't. Who's that? Peyton Manning. Oh. And I'm not going to say was allegedly because he did teabag his trainer in, in college. Wasn't Eugene, wasn't Eugene Robinson up for consideration for the Walter Payton Man of the Year? Yeah, and the guy from Cleveland that swung his helmet at uh, Mason Rudolph from Pittsburgh. Oh. Yeah, what the fuck was his name? I don't know. He he was up for it too. So was he? Yeah. yeah. But uh, the next day, Chick is trying to rope in Eddie. Mm-hmm. And Eddie talks and, about how, how much he makes a year. How much money does he make a year? Uh, is it only ten grand? It's not even ten grand. It's not even ten grand. Well, that's what he wants. That's what he's supposed to get in his bonus. Right. He makes six grand a year. Yeah, but then he goes and meets with Comiskey. You said if I won 30 games this year, there'd be a $10,000 bonus. So? I think you owe it to me. Harry, how many games Mr. Seacott win for us this year? 29, sir. You had kid bench me for two whole weeks in August. I missed five starts. We had to rest your arm for the series. I would have won at least two of those games. You knew that. I have to keep the best interests of the club in mind, Eddie. I think you owe me that bonus. 29 is not 30, Eddie. You will get only the money you deserve. Yeah, th- This film is, I know it's not a documentary, but it definitely plays into understanding why the players did what they did. Sure. I mean, think about it. There was no player union. You had no representatives that you could go to. Nothing. You were basically just controlled by the ownership of the team. And that was it. Right. But so, but he's we next see him walking down the street, and you can definitely see some gears turning in his brain. Uh, and he goes and talks to Chick and says, 10 grand before the first game. Cash. What? You heard me. How come everybody's wearing the same stupid hat? The straw hat? Yes. Da, 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 da. I told you. Have I told the story about doing the, the, uh, yes. Charleston and band? Yes, you did. <laughs> and I, and I had to wear that hat, except they weren't straw. They were styrofoam. Sure. Yes. You have told that story. <laughs> you have. <laughs> how, how humiliating that was dancing in front of all my peers. But now we're in New York and, Doc Brown is there, and he's looking for a fighter or a retired fighter. Yeah, at first I thought this was like a bookie or something. But, they, I mean, they're at a horse track, correct? Yes. Yeah. And they walk up to this guy. He's a short fella, and he knows who they are, former baseball player and a boxer. and Sort of, and uh, sort of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you want with me? Uh, well, the... Word is that you work for Arnold Rothstein, and we have a big opportunity for him. And then he goes over 
And, and this guy's name is Abe Froman, Sausage King of New York, of Chicago. I just refer to him as the boxer. So I got him as Abe. He's Abe. So, but, but he, uh, he, he goes, goes over yeah. to Rothstein and w- these guys, Doc Brown and his flunky are not even important enough to get in front of Rothstein. And he just gives they have, the thumbs down. Well, they have to watch through binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Abe gives them the thumbs down. No dice. So, so now, now we cut to Swede is talking to Claude, who is the cuck. And yeah, I call um, him lefty. All right. But, uh, we got Eddie and all we got to do is throw three games and we're doing it with or without you. And, uh, Claude says, well, if you have Eddie, I'm in. And yeah, he, this is all happening on the phone, I think, because his wife is asking who it is. And he says, it's a salesman. He's like, well, is, is he your daddy? But anyway, <laughs> just tell him we don't want any. And then the lawyer from the postman always rings twice is Rothstein. Oh, that's that's who that is, huh? Yeah, this film is every time it's like, holy shit, it's that guy. It's that guy. It's that guy. Yeah. Either like from I said, films we've done yeah. or other films. Yeah. It's a cattle car worth of guys. But he's talking so. to the boxer. About Abe, yeah, yes, upcoming fights. Listen, they are this series thing. Those Ham and Eggers pitched. Not interested. We could see a good hunk of change on it. If it's Burns and Mahargi you're worried about, we could just cut them out and do it ourselves. Word gets out Arnold Rothstein's betting against the Sox. What happens to the odds? They drop down the jam, but I could bet through these guys. How long do you think they're going to keep their mouth shut? Twenty minutes. Half hour? What? Yeah, but they got six guys, maybe seven. Doesn't surprise me. But as AR or Rothstein is turning this down, I'm thinking, is this boxer going to front this himself? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I was a little bit confused. Is Rothstein in the the entirety of this film is never in on the, the betting? No, because he, he when he talks to um, the guy from the Double Deuce, he he gives him the go ahead and he gives him the money. Okay, because no, I thought it was no, it was Abe that gave Abe. Just carry on, carry on. I think it's it's. I think it kind of explains itself out. It fleshes itself out that Rothstein that Abe is going ends up going behind Rothstein's back. But if that's the case. Why would Rothstein be paying such close attention? Attention anyway. We'll we'll, we'll walk through it as we get through it. But as yes, yeah. A- but 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 Roth, Rothstein says to Abe, he said, you know, I grew up with guys like this. They used to tell me because I was the fat kid. Sit down, fat boy. You're not going to play. And now when they need something, they come to me. And so Abe leaves. He says he's going to go get some air. And then Rothstein thinks for a second, and he grabs a phone. And he's just a prick to the operator. And he says, Mr. Sullivan, who is uh, the, the owner du- of the Double the du- Deuce. Yes, Double Deuce or Double Douche. Double Douche. That's what it says in my notes. Can yeah. stop by tonight. But don't go in the front door. <laughs> Use the servant's entrance. But the boxer goes back to Doc. And he says that Rothstein is in, but he wants his name kept out of it. Yeah. Well, he's yeah, yeah, and and that's why I'm like, is Abe going behind his back? Yeah, he is. Because Rothstein never Rothstein never gave him the green light. Exactly. 
Yes. So, and, and they say, I think they say, well, we need a hundred thousand dollars from him. Now they, now Abe is on the phone and he's trying to collect from guys that owe money to Rothstein. But the guy, Doc says he needs a hundred thousand dollars. It was $10,000 a guy. Is he taking 20,000 off the top? Probably himself. I think so. But, um, I'm thinking, what Abe is doing, what the boxer is doing, this could get him killed. Sure. There's a lot of things sure, that people do that could get them killed in this, but he he's talking on the phone. It's like, hey, Mr. Rothstein needs his money. He gets 10 to 15 from that guy. And we go back to Rothstein, and he's eating, and there, there's a knock. And holy shit, it's, it's the guy from the double douche. Yeah. And he is bringing him the, the fix info and he gives him kind of a, a lowdown of what he has. I can get eight men in, including Seacott. So what do you need me for? Well, I'm a big man in Boston, but uh, Boston's a small town. The kind of cash that I need, I... Man shouldn't bite off more than he can chew. People watch what you do real close, Mr. Rusty. If you are... One of your people were to bet heavy on the Reds. Well, you know, you violate the action. The odds stay fat, and there's no direct link to... Go home. Don't do anything till you hear from me. Yes, sir. And at, at this point... So, so, so hold on. Yeah. So Abe is going behind his back. Sullivan, the owner of, owner of Double Deuce, is actually working with Rothstein, and the players are double dipping. Correct. Yeah, they're getting money from both ends. Right. And it appears that Rothstein is unimpressed, but the owner gets back to his hotel room, and he gets a message from AR almost immediately. And th- he has to send his his lackey away. And I think this is when you have Rothstein's thug meets with Sullivan. Yeah. Mr. Rothstein says he's in. Forty grand to the players up front. You hold the other forty till they blow the series. Tell Seacott to hit the first batter if the fix is on. Anybody connects Mr. Rothstein with this, I come see you again. You don't want that. You tell Mr. Rothstein he's got my word. That's not Abe. That's another guy. That's Sullivan. No, well, that's the thug. That's that's Rothstein's thug, thug that comes and sees Sullivan. Right. And then Sullivan's minion comes back, and Sullivan tells him to take the money and bet it on the Reds. Yeah, 20 grand on Cincy for the first game, another 10 on Cincy for the whole series. Yeah. And there is something he says here, and I'm sure this has probably got some kind of origin story but he says feed a horse just enough so that it knows it's hungry but now we're on the the train to cincinnati and the players are playing cards you guys playing cards (laughs) but the old guy doesn't want to play and this is where it confused me a little bit because mortimer is laying down his life savings on the team. Can he do that as a reporter? I guess there maybe isn't a conflict of interest there. They're not well back then. No, now you can't. Now it's in your contract. Like Al Michaels could not bet, but he. It's it's just interesting how Al Michaels and 
um, Marv Albert and some of those older school guys would throw hints out there, like what the odds were, or, you know, if over or under, they would just kind of throw little bits and pieces like that out. And that was kind of taboo. And now like the networks and sponsored by DraftKings, the, the, the leagues are just like all in on betting. It's kind of sick. Well, th- I don't know if, if this is the case in Green Bay or Milwaukee, but in Columbus for the NHL place where the NHL team plays, you can make bets in the arena. Jeez. I don't, yeah, I don't think that's the case in Wisconsin. But there are other places because there have been people in the NFL that have been fined or suspended and they weren't betting on NFL games. They were just betting at the betting place within the arena. No, it wasn't. They weren't betting at the betting place. They were betting, making bets on the apps on their phone and within the team, within the team facility. And when you're within the team facility, basically they can see whatever is going on on your phone. (laughs) It's like, there's probably a ton of guys who are doing it, but they have a guy to do it for them. One of their buddies is, is the guy. And it's not like they were betting big money. It's a hundred bucks here, 200 bucks there, but still somebody like, like Calvin Ridley who played for the Falcons wide receiver, like got suspended for an entire year, lost out on $7 million because he was putting bets down of 200 bucks. Well, that's why you put your, your phone, you turn off Wi-Fi, and you use your fucking cellular data <laughs> for that. Yeah. 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 But, um, Eddie tells Mortimer not to lay down his life savings because anything can happen in baseball. But the the boys, all the boys on the team are in the car and they're talking about who is in. Come on. It's in the bag. I just wanted to let you and Buck in on the take. You know what, Dick? Well, it sounds like you're already in pretty deep. Come on, Hap. We lose a couple games. We make $20,000. A couple or the whole bit? Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you guys talking about? What about Jags? The Swede's pitching him right now. He'll come around. Because if Shula's Joe ain't in, I ain't in. So what if they find out that you're dealing double? Huh? You cross a guy like Rothstein, they're going to find you in the gutter with your little toes curled up. Say, fellas. Who's this? Anyone care for a drink? His, that's not a Boston accent. That's a, more of an Irish accent. I do believe so, Yes. And it kind of comes and goes from scene to scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, that, that was Sporty, or the, the owner of the Double Deuce. And now the Swede is pitching Joe. And what is Joe looking at? Uh, he's got his hand, one hand over his eye, staring at a candle. And he explains that he stares until that eye goes blind, and then he does the other one because it helps him. it helps his batting eye. Yeah, that's that's the most ridiculous gobbledygook bullshit I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I, I I couldn't understand the logic behind that, but the guy can't read either. So <laughs> right, right. But it, it, the Swede tells him we're going to drop a couple of games. Who? And then you you keep calling him the Swede. It's just Swede. The Swede. <laughs> the Swede is from Heartbreak Ridge. Yeah, I know. This guy is just Swede. Well, you call him the Sweet, so. The no, Swede. I don't. Where, where do I call him the Swede? Anyway, continue. The, the, well, the Swede says that others wanted him left out, and Joe isn't sure, and then Swede changes from the carrot to the stick approach. You don't want to be stupid, do you, Joe? I don't know. 
People are gonna be awful pissed if you fuck up their plans, Joe. You don't want to piss everybody off, do you, Joe? Huh? You don't want me mad at you, do you? Everybody else is in. Everybody we need. Okay. There's a good boy. You won't have to look bad. Just ease off a bit. That's all we want. Yeah. Oh, uh, about the money. At least ten grand. On top of your regular series pay. Chick's working on it. And Joe immediately goes back to the candle thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now Swede runs in, runs into Buck, John Cusack, and Buck looks pissed. He, We never see him agree to do this, but he knows about he it. He knows about it, right. And he's the only person that doesn't get money. Yeah. And then uh, Chick reassures the Swede that nothing is wrong with Buck. <laughs> but, but now we're in Cincy, and bets are being made, and what has happened with the odds? Uh, they've evened because big money from New York is betting on the Reds. Yeah, and this is making Mortimer concerned. And uh, Eddie's arm is sore, but it's been sore for 10 years. And Mortimer is just sure that something's up. And meanwhile, all the boys want something. What do they want? Where's my money, man? It's all out on bets. Well, that's not good enough. Jesus, you'll get it soon enough. When? How much? Hundred grand, like I said, 20 after each game. Oh, wait a minute. That's five games. I thought we just can dump a few. No, you lose the first three. Kerr's going in the third. He's not with us. So what? We don't have four mil fold. He's a bush. After that, we'll play it by ear. We got to make this look good, see? Burns will bring the money I said before the game. first game, Chick. Look under your pillow. Huh? Compliments of sports. And that's Abe that they're talking to. And then there's uh, something that plays out very, very similar in Major League. Bucky is at the plate by himself in an empty ballpark. Mm -hmm. And the coach, who's played by Frazier's dad, Mm -hmm. comes out. And he's already heard some just loose talk and uh bucky says oh it's just just a pep talk and is there something something you want something you want to tell me nah just nerves but him and the coach have a history and he asks the coach if he misses playing and what does the coach say to that i I don't know every day but and he says go back and get some sleep the coach is is not an idiot. He he doesn't he doesn't know anything's going on, but he's got kind of an intuition that something is not quite right. Mm-hmm. But at at the hotel, crowds are yelling at the building, and then Eddie has some fat stacks under his pillow. Yes, he does. Is that safe yeah. though? What if the turndown service came in? <laughs> Do you think they had turndown service back then? Yeah, probably. In a probably in a cheap motel that Comiskey put them in. Uh, I wonder if that was. I mean, this is the World Series, so you'd think that they'd step it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know, ma'am. But uh, game one, it's warm ups, and all of our principals are in the stands. Abe is in, Abe is there, the owner of the Double Douche, 
Doc Brown and and the Ferrari thief. Um, and Kid Gleason, the coach, talks to the two reporters. Oh, you skipped ahead. Yeah. Well, I heard the same thing, fellas. Every series I've been to has been some rumor about a fix just to shake up the odds. Hang out in bars, you hear a lot of screwy things. Doesn't mean they're not true. My guys would have told me something was up. Sure they would, kid. Give them that out Let's keep separate scorecards. You circle every play that smells fishy. I'll do the same. We'll compare them after the game. Probably nothing to it. Yeah, nothing to it. And I, I want to back up just a second here because right before that took place, there was a couple of the Reds that were standing with oh. bats, and they were they were talking about the White Sox and what they look like. Oh, these fucking guys. These guys don't look so tough. Yeah, that's what Custer said when the Indians took the field. The weird thing is when you when you listen to what people say and you watch how this movie plays out, it it is written and portrayed that had this not this whole scenario not happened, there was no way that Cincinnati would have won. Yeah. Yeah, that the White Sox were the best team that had ever made, taken the field. Because I think they had won two World Series prior to this, actually. Yeah, they won the 1917 Series. Yeah, yeah. But so, any given Sunday, well, think about the, the Patriots team that lost to um, Manning the Lesser. Yeah, but in a nine-game series, the better team's going to win. Yeah, you're, 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 you're probably right there, but... The coach goes into the dugout, and who is in there sitting by himself? Shoeless Joe Jackson. I don't want to play. <laughs> You'll play, Jackson. <laughs> yeah. And then there's more of the band playing, and... Kid uh, gives a speech to the team. It's really nothing special. It's just like, all right, go out there. Do your best. Yeah, I've been hearing about the odds. Yeah, go get them. And then Rothstein is walking into a place in New York, and... It's there's no score in the first half inning, and Cincinnati well, is coming up to bat. It's I don't even know what you would call this. It's it's a telling of the game. There's just some lackey standing up on a stage reading the ticker tape of what's going on, and they're moving a a little uh, sign thing where they have like a batter on a track, so it can move it to first base and second base. It's almost yeah. like a scoreboard, right? Without the game there, yeah. Wouldn't they have it on the radio? In 1919? Uh, maybe not. How would they relay it from Cincinnati to New York? I don't know. Wires and stuff? I don't know. Okay. Well, <laughs> Didn't they have that sort of thing back then? If, if only we knew somebody who had a degree in communications that studied like the history of radio, television, and film. But unfortunately, huh. we, do, if, we do not. If, if only. If only. And he went to Madison, too. You would have thought that he would know his shit, right? But there's no so, score the first half inning. Well, I mean, it's there. Had there been a radio announcer, they would have heard the announcers making this play. Oh, I'm ground ball to shortstop. The throw is to second, and again the ball sails past Lagrange into right field. 
The runners will score, and a cascade of boos rain down from the stands as clearly the fans' sympathy for this scrappy little no-arm man has run out. Now, granted, the throw was a little wide, but you got to believe that a two-arm player would have made the catch. In fact, a one-arm player would have at least had a shot at it, which calls to mind the question once again, why, with all the two-armed youngsters waiting in the minor leagues, does this team stick with an armless second baseman? And he hasn't had a hit in ever. In ever, Jerry. In ever. Didn't Milwaukee have a one-armed pitcher? They did. He was uh, the pitcher on the Olympic gold medal team in 92? Let's see. nineteen. Yeah, it may have been 90. It was either 92 or 96. And didn't he throw a no-hitter? I, I don't think so. I thought he did. Well, either way, it's it's impressive. I mean, anybody that makes it to the major leagues, even if they suck well, in the major leagues, that's still an accomplishment. He would he would have the the glove tucked under his his nubbin. Yes. I think. Yeah. And then throw the ball and immediately shove that hand into the glove. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think he would have been good as a field p- player, but I mean. As a pitcher, he was decent. Did he have to yeah. bat? It, it, I mean, uh, the Brewers were in the National League, so I think yes. Were they in the National League at that time? Are you sure? Were they? Had they? Does after Miller over Park opened? So no, Miller Park opened in two thousand one. Okay, so I don't know when this cat pitched for the Brewers. Well, it's something we'll have to explore in housekeeping next week, Matt. But what is Eddie supposed to do with the first batter? Well, he's supposed to hit the player. Yeah, he's supposed to plunk him. And his first yes. pitch is a strike. I'm thinking, what, what, what? Yeah. Then he hits the player. And that actually is how it happened. That is okay. legitimately in the real world how it did happen. But that's mm-hmm. kind of a gamble. That that first pitch that was a strike, Somebody he could have taken a swing. He could have gotten a hit on that. Sure. Sure. But that, but that was all Buck that makes, Rossine needed to hear, and he leaves. Yeah. Buck makes a great play, and Chick looks at him, gives him the death stare. And then Hap. Who's Hap? That's Felch. Oh, Hap, Hap Felch. Hap the Felcher. Yes. He's got his straw tucked behind his ear. <laughs> Do you think he uses a new straw every time? That takes all or the fun out of it. <laughs> Or does he run it through the dishwasher? He's probably got one of those, uh, you know, the metal straws you can buy now? Yes, and, and one of the, like, the pipe cleaners that you run it yes, through there? exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway. But, uh, yeah, the guys are in the dugout. What's going on? Well, no one wants to look bad. I guess Eddie's going to have to do it all on his own. And then in the next thing, there's a hit back up the middle to Eddie, and Eddie is supposed to throw back to second base for a double play, and he completely fucks it up. <laughs> yeah. Then Swede makes a bad play. Um, it's a hit fest. Right. Eddie's and just getting shelled. Yes. Yeah. Well, at, at this point, uh, Kid Gleason actually goes out on the street and finds a new pitcher. Where'd you get a cannon like that, kid? I work out my right arm three times a day. Mm, free weights? No, mostly JPEGs of Helen Hunt on my hard drive. Well, I'm Coach Doyle, and I hit up the baseball team at... Oh, that, that just ended suddenly. Well, it's because he named some high school and... Oh, okay. Yeah, that that's yes. fair. Uh-huh. But uh, at this point, Jen asked, how easy would it actually be to tell if a game is being thrown? 
And teams have bad games, right? Sure. Sure they do. And, you know, there there have been times when you look at uh, how the hell could somebody that's that good play that poorly, even in, in every sport, in basketball, in hockey, in, in baseball. And I think baseball is probably a little bit harder because if you're successful in baseball for hitting, you're only getting a hit, you know, two and a half, three times out of ten times to the plate. Right. So yeah. I think it would be very difficult to tell that it was being thrown. Mm-hmm. But the last yeah. guy who got a big hit, what position did he play for Cincy? Uh, I don't know. He was the pitcher because that was brought up. Oh, <laughs> the pitcher took you deep. Yeah, yeah. Don't make it. But they obvious. lose nine. They lose nine to one, and then yes, Sweet talks to Buck after the game. So what's the story, Buck? What does it look like? Looked like you skunked out on us. I haven't taken a nickel. I don't know anybody a damn thing. We let you in on the meetings. Look, you just play your ball game and I'll play mine and we'll see how it comes out. You, you sure that was the Swede and it wasn't Chick? No, that was Swede. Okay. It was Swede. Yeah. But uh, Mortimer's lackey ring has... Eddie show up at his place and he has him have a seat and offers him a drink. And they say, I thought since he was a dry town, but ring shows him a new ball that they're going to introduce next year. And what are they going to outlaw? The spitter. The ball is wound tighter and they're going to outlaw the spitter, which I don't even know what that is. What you can just put spit on the ball. Yeah, I guess at one point they show Eddie, Eddie, Rubbing the ball on his pant leg, mm-hmm. like he's got a spot of something. Like you could do that back then, though. Axel grease or something like that. Vagicel. What was the dude's name? And what was the dude's name in Major League? Um, Dorn. That that had no. That has you know Crisco on his chest, Tabasco yeah. sauce in his nose. Vagisil. Yes, a little Vagisil. Yeah. Um, Corbin Burnson. No. Who is the pitcher in the Major League movie? Charlie Sheen, Ricky, Ricky Vaughn. That's a continue. I'll figure it out. <laughs> yes. But uh, he says, well, you took a shelling today. And he wants to know if the series is on the level. And Eddie says, what if I told you we just weren't playing our best? We're just a bunch of dumb ball players." But uh, now Shoeless Joe Jackson is in bed and the bench warmer, babyface from Big Red One, is – Comes in and he says, I have something for you. It's an um, envelope. It, and they never actually show it for sure, but it's an envelope full of money. Eddie Harris. Okay, Harris. Yeah, he's the one that drinks Joe Boo's tequila. Yeah. Yo, bartender, yeah. Joe Boo needs a yeah. refill. Yeah. I tried finding the clip from Field of Dreams where Kevin Costner talks about um, Joe Jackson's stats from the game. Well, he hit pretty- over 300 for the series. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I wasn't about to watch that entire movie just to get one clip. I mean, it is a young Kevin Costner. Well, you only can watch it like five minutes at a time. <laughs> right. Right. Because my erection would be 
in charge of my emotions. Uh, but he says, Swede would appreciate if you let up. You looked good out there today. Now we go on to game two. Claude the Cuck is pitching, and he is pitching like shit as well. And the, the catcher is getting all fucking pissed off at him. Um, called for the curve. Uh, That's what I threw. He goes, it, it was a curve. He goes, that looked pretty straight. But Buck, again, is making really great grabs. Um, the catcher hits. He stretches for two. And yeah, he was I told mean, to hold it at first, too. Yes. Yeah. And then yeah, a biplane is going overhead. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, what's going on here? Is this going to have a banner that's going to tow, be towed? Is this going to be some weird thing where the plane crashes in the middle of the field? No. They drop an effigy of a, a White Sox player right in front of the dugout. And, and the, what does the coach ask about it? <laughs> Wonder if it can pitch. So the final score was 4-2 to two Cincinnati. And the catcher is just going after lefty after the game. And yeah. Reporters are coming down the tunnel, and the coach tells them to get the fuck out of there. And yeah. Buck is the last one to talk to the reporters, and he says, you know, just print whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But the guys are laughing, and this is a thing that you see in, uh, what was the Chicago quarterback? Um, smoking, oh, God. Jay Cutler? Yeah, smoking Jay Cutler. One of the things that people get really bent out of shape with with the NFL is when a team is losing and they show the sidelines and like players are just kind of like, eh, whatever <laughs> they don't care. Yeah, they don't. They they're laughing. They're getting paid no matter what. And it's kind of the same thing after the, after the game, they're all huggy huggy and you know, all kinds of jocularity going on. I think that really gets under people's skin because some fans just are heavily invested in their team's performance and me, I used to be that way. I remember there were certain losses that the Packers had that just grinded at me for days. And now it's, eh, whatever. I, I think part of that is getting older. I, I The last one I remember that really hurt was uh, Super Bowl 32. Because that was just, you know, after Super Bowl 31, it, it was all talk about, you know, just going undefeated. And I think yeah. they actually lost the first game against Philadelphia the following season. But, you know, there have been other times where they've lost. The, there was the game with the, the Trell Owens, the catch two that they lost yeah. in the playoffs where that shouldn't yeah. have even gotten to that point because Jerry Rice fumbled on like two right. plays before that, but that was when there was no instant replay. Right, and there was a game. It was a regular season game against Pittsburgh where it just went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and Pittsburgh threw a a touchdown right in the corner as time expired. And that one, that one ate me up. I was heavily invested in that game. But let's see. Chick comes in, or Chick is laughing as as Kid Gleason walks in, and he goes after him. He's like, I know what you're doing. And then that night, is it the Reds or is it the White Sox that are burning the effigy of the White Sox player? It is. Uh, I thought it was just people in front of the hotel. Okay, but I don't know. They must be Cincinnati people. Yeah, yeah but the coach goes – to he and he knocks on Comiskey's door mm-hmm. and I got to talk to you. And this is a weird, it reminded me of uh secret of my success. Oh yes. With all because the we don't know back and we, forth. Yeah. We don't know what's going on. We don't see the conversation that's happening behind closed doors. And then what's her face, doc Brown and, and the Ferrari thief go to talk to Abe and he, they say, well, they say they have this conversation. 
What do you two birds want? We need the rest of the players cut. It's all out on bets. <laughs> What's this? You heard me. I made an agreement with those guys. Well, that's your problem, ain't it? You little prick. Hey. Couple of boy scouts here. They made a deal. The players are in now. Get it? We got them by the short ones. What are they going to do? Call a cop? Here. Ten grand. But that's all of it. That's the end. Here, you give it to him. No, Bernie, not me. Come on, Billy. It stinks in here. And tell them bums to make it look good tomorrow. <laughs> but then uh, Comiskey is coming Hold back. On. Okay. A couple things about that clip. There's money all over the bed. And when the Ferrari thief goes to kind of confront him, Abe's lackey pulls a gun. So, no, it's not in Abe's my lackey, understanding. It's Abe. No, no, Abe didn't pull the gun. The guy sitting on the bed counting the money pulled the gun. Okay, okay, fine. Um, so am I un- to understand that that's it? They're they're basically Abe is buddy fucking them. He's just not going to give the players any money. Oh, he that's the it. ten grand is that's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So it's not ten grand per game. It's, it's ten grand. Here you go. Split it amongst yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. But the the two they leave and they pass Comiskey. Uh, Comiskey knocks on somebody's door. I don't know who opens the door, but Comiskey chews him out. That is the league commissioner. Not Actually, it's not. It's weird because it's not the league commissioner because they did not have a commissioner. He's right. part of the group that preceded the league having a commissioner. All right. But and they're talking about the later. fix, and uh, Comiskey yeah. wants something done about it. A commissioner doesn't believe it. And this is actually kind of funny because as – he walks by, I think it's Chick, it's either Chick or the Swede. One of them says something about the whelp of a beaten cur. All right, I don't know what that means. Where have we seen Comiskey before? Superman 2. And what did Cliff Clavin talk about seeing on the moon? Or a curl? Yeah. It's a little bit of a that stretch, was, but that's a little bit of a stretch there, man. Yeah, but the Swede just kind of laughs and pats the coach on the coach on the shoulder. And now we are back in Chicago. Yeah, and game three. Doc and his lackey are in the stands, and the odds actually favor Cincinnati now. Yeah. And, but Kid is talking to the pitcher, Dickie, who is not in on the fix. And as Dickie is warming up, he says that, you know, I saw he says this to kid. He says, I saw your no hitter against Cy Young. That was the first game my dad ever took me to. Right. And, um, Collins, the college guy, the vaudevillian clown goes and talks to Buck and says, uh, you're having a hell of a series. And Buck says, what's that supposed to mean? Well, just keep it up. Well, why wouldn't I? You know the answer to that. And then immediately after that, a Sox hitter gets plunked. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And the the catcher is up to bat, and a, a ground ball is fumbled, but Chick and is come, Chick. going from second to third. They're like, yeah, like barely jogging. <laughs> He's not running at all. Yeah. Gets out, and, and I think Kid Gleason says, I could have made that run with my shoes tied together. But and the pitcher's having a hell of a game, and they win. 
Yeah, and Mortimer is pretty much convinced now. And not having that pitcher on the payroll is problematic. And there's a little bit more to this is one thing that's not mentioned in in this story, in the movie, is there was another pitcher who was actually out with the flu. And that's the reason that he was not in the rotation for the World Series. And if okay. he had not been out with the flu, they would never would have been able to make this work. Ah. But Okay. So, Interesting. And, and and I you know, the idea of a bullpen with like twelve guys in it just didn't exist back then. Oh, if no. you pitched, there's a pretty good chance that you were pitching a complete game. And even now, but when you get to the postseason, you will have starting pitchers that'll come in and throw, you know, two thirds of an inning in relief. Yeah. But I, I mean they weren't pitching very fast. Oh yeah. I mean they were breaking into the high seventies. Yeah, right. I mean, even in, I'm they're, I'm watching these guys pitch and they're kind of lobbing the balls. And now, granted, these are actors, but I honestly think that that's that's how they were pitching back then. They they weren't chucking 85, 90 mile an hour fastballs. Probably. Yeah. But uh, so game is. I think we're in a uh, pitchers throwing a hell of a game, and then there is a deep fly ball to Felch. And I actually have a radio broadcast from him catching it. Because how does he catch it? Uh, like Eddie. Um, fuck. Hey, makes a basket catch. Willie oh, Mays yeah. style. And the side is retired. <laughs> All right, we look out there. Hey, nice catch, hey. Don't ever fucking do it again. All right, let's go. Let's get it going. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Eddie Hayes Mays. Yes. <laughs> Comiskey's happy, but the Swede is worried because the Sox win. And somebody says, and I don't remember who it is, hey, not getting paid. Oh, actually, this is just me. <laughs> hey, the guys aren't getting paid, so fuck them. Right? But mm-hmm. now we see uh, Abe on the phone. And this loss, apparently, he took it into shorts on this loss. Yes, he did. Yeah. And he's trying to clear, he's trying to collect. And he, he goes, oh, he's the guy he's on the phone with. Oh, well, you're all clear with Rothstein? Well, I could use a couple of grand. <laughs> and this is where it's mentioned series is five out of nine again. And there were four times, it's not three, that it was best of nine. It was in 1903, 1919, 1920, and 1921. Those were the four times that it was best of nine. Okay. But the only reason I know that is because Mortimer actually says that. But who, who is pitching the next day? Well, Eddie's back on the mound, and uh, he makes a shit play, and Buck calls him out. Um, Wait, you're missing a whole thing with Buck though. Beforehand, we, we find oh, out when that he's Ed, on the porch with his on yeah. the porch with his wife. Yeah, he's he's on the porch and he's smoking a heater, and his wife is worried about him, and she's talking him up. She says that they have the whole city on her side, and I'm thinking. He he's gonna tell her, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and so he tells her, "Fucking idiot!" But he tells her he wasn't in on it, and uh, that's open to debate, I guess. Because I mean, yeah. he was involved in the discussions. Maybe he didn't sign on the dotted line, and he didn't take money. But he knew, right? Yeah, and yeah, she and wants to know if, if there's somebody talk- can tell. And he says the coach already knows. But he has hopes that they will straighten up to win the series, and 
uh, she says that she wished she didn't know. Yeah, yeah, him too. Now we go on to yeah, game, no game four. Yeah, yeah. Again, Eddie's on the mound, you know, makes a shit play. There's a hit to the outfield. Uh, the outfielder is Joe. Yeah, and is going to make the throw to home plate, but Eddie cuts it off. Right. Yeah, and Buck pushes him. So they lose. Uh, now we're, immediately we, we switch to game five. Felch is making some bad plays. Um, the catcher, well, he gets tossed after he gets into an argument with the umpire. What, what is the argument about? Uh, it's, I think it's about Derek Jeter. No, no, there, well, hold on a second. Before that, there's a throw to the plate and there is a questionable call about whether or not the player is safe or not. Okay, now now you said something about Derek Jeter. <laughs> yes, actually, there. Yes, their their argument was about Derek Jeter. So was Derek Jeter safe? Safe. What? He's half black. Why? What do you need glasses? No, He's white I don't by need glasses. He You're the one who needs glasses. A lot of people what do that. To this kind it's of a body temperature issue. I know. I have a lot in the seventies, but doesn't seem to have really that much anymore. It's a connection to a bygone era when men settled their differences face to face, thrusting their chest into one another. I miss having a guy yelling at me. While we're talking about stuff, I've never cleaned my ice tray. Oh, you have to do that. Why do I have to? You're poisoning your family. What's a big deal? Carrying an ice tray from the freezer to the sink is like ringing the damn dinner bell for arm hair. Think of it. I do remember seeing a few short hairs oh, in my ice cubes that I'm hoping were from my eyes. What the fuck is that? I know what it's from, but I mean, that's so all over the place. I know it is. It's just, yeah, I can't. It, it's so obscure. It's not worth explaining where that comes from in Family Guy. But the whole, whole Derek Jeter thing is anytime somebody has a fruit basket, I say, who are you, yeah. Derek Jeter? <laughs> You're going his going away basket for yeah. his one night stands. Yeah. A sign ball. <laughs> a fruit basket. Yeah. 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 But yeah, Buck is looking around like somebody stole his binky. <laughs> but later, a bunch of kids are playing stickball. And one of the kids from before, the two kids that we saw, sees Buck and he goes over to them and they're kind of talking back and forth. And there's an older kid there that just immediately starts talking shit to Buck. Mm-hmm. And even though they lost whatever, that's still ballsy for some little kid to be talking shit to a professional ball player. Well, yeah. And he says, I think Buck says, oh, well, you have to stick up for your friends. Even when they play like stiffs. Yep. When they play like stiffs. But uh, now they're on the train, probably heading back to Cincinnati. And the younger reporter, who is the director of this film, Ring. sings yeah. a song, sings a song to the fellas. I'm forever blowing ball games, pretty ball games in the air. I come from chai, I hardly try, just go to bat and fade and die. Fortune's coming my way, that's why I don't care. I'm forever blowing ball games, and the gamblers treat us fair. One of them should have said, 
hey, you're betting on the game too, you cocksucker. <laughs> yes, but he's probably betting on the Sox. Who are, uh, yeah, the Sox are only one game away from losing the series now. It's game six. Yes. Game six, Dickie is pitching again. Joe makes a great catch. Uh, Chick pick is up to bat and gets a hit. Wait, 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 before you get to, before you get to that, how the kids mm -hmm. are, how are the kids following the game? Uh, they're listening to Morris code and some kid is interpreting the Morris code. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It goes into extra innings and chicks up to bat and he, I'm thinking he has to strike out, right? And Buck is on third and has a lead and, Buck is hoping Chick will do what's right, and Chick gets a hit and says, oh, shit. Ah, uh, oh, shit. But they're in Cincinnati, yeah. right? I believe so, uh, but that the people in be, Chicago... That wouldn't be are, the end of the game. Because if uh, they're no, the visiting right. team, they would be at the top yeah. of the inning. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. There's people celebrating in the streets, and, and how are they celebrating in the streets? They're throwing newspapers. <laughs> Out the window. And then yeah. uh, okay. somewhere else, a kid goes into a barber shop, and who is the kid going to see? Rothstein. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, lowers. And how's his Rothstein newspaper. being shaved? How, how's he being shaved with a straight razor? Have you ever been shaved by a straight razor? It's exactly what it says in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie's in his hotel room, and I don't understand this. He's holding on to a clock for some reason. Right. Yeah. Yes, he is. But uh, Lefty the Cuck comes in. How's it going? They still haven't gotten paid. And at no. this point, Eddie says he doesn't even care about the money. Yeah. And the alarm goes off and startles Claude the Cuck and uh, asks, what, is he gonna, what are you going to do out there tomorrow? Doesn't know. Yeah. Don't know. But the next day, Lefty and the others want to know where the money is. And Chick can't track down the owner of the double douche. What about the other guy? And it blew his wad when they won the game there. So Chick gives the lowdown to a couple of the players. I thought that you were supposed to be in charge of this thing. What happened to Sullivan? He switched hotels. We can't seem to track him now. And what happened to Attell? He says he shot his wad in the third game when Kerr won. He says he's busted. Well, the hell with them, then. You two made an agreement. Hey, we lose one more game and it's over. We dumped four games. I only even paid for one. You don't know what these guys are like. Once you're in, you're in for good. You can't welch on these guys. It's your funeral, assholes. Problem? <laughs> nah. We still got Eddie. But, but do they still have Eddie? Right, because Eddie is warming up, but and Kid Gleason comes over and says that he's starting someone else. Uh, you don't have your stuff. And he goes, I feel all right today, Skip. I can't miss. And Kid tells the catcher to watch him. And, yeah, uh, your move, Eddie. And... Game seven, Eddie sees his mm -hmm. wife and kids in the stands, and yeah. Ring asks Mortimer how long it's going to be before he dumps it, and then the game starts, but Eddie's not dumping it. No. Well, he's he's pitching really, really well. And other people are turning well, up, too. Well, yeah. Eddie's pitching really, really well. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't catch that part. Uh, I think I'll perplex him with my slow ball. One, two, three strikes, you're out. One, two, three strikes, you're out. One, two, three strikes, you're out. See, you blow by my clip, so I figure I can forget about yours as well. <laughs> uh huh. 
How do I blow by ear clips? Oh, there's a bunch of them that I just let go because you actually just literally walked through exactly what the clip was. It's fine. Well, it's not a big deal. <laughs> oh, you mean the, the the clips from the movie itself? Yeah. Oh, I don't write those down sometimes. <laughs> I do it. I did at the end during the trial. Okay. It's just it's like every sec every third line. Matt clip. Matt clip. Matt clip. Yeah, it comes comes as you said, fast and furious at the end. But <laughs> they sure do. Everyone they show is hitting, and Comiskey's happy, and the the cuck and some of the others are happy as well. But uh, the owner, the double deuce, is not the the boxer. Abe is not, and Buck is actually encouraging him and says, "Just one more batter, two strikes." And Mortimer's impressed, and then <laughs> the Swede gives Eddie a death stare. But who wins? Uh, the, the Sox win. And Chick can't even pretend to be happy. <laughs> no. No, he can't. But the coach is actually holding court with the press after the game is over. And I figured I'd stay with my blue chip ball players. You have faith in your fellows to come around. The Reds only need one more game to take the series. That's do or die for your club. No sweat. What makes you so confident, kid? I think the boys are back on the form. They got in the look at Moran's staff now and they'll be swinging free from this point on. I'll tell you, class always comes through in the clinches. Eddie came to me this morning. He says, kid, he says I can't miss. We got Lefty Williams rolling for us tomorrow. One of the finest pitches I ever seen. Still for a big game, Lefty. How do you explain the way your boys laid down in the other games? What do you mean, laid down? Well, they didn't seem too enthusiastic about their jobs. Nobody did any laying down. Might have been a little overconfident. Maybe we didn't have the fine edge, but the boys been putting out. The boys been put out more than they've been putting out. <laughs> you really think you can turn this series around, kid? No sweat. The odds are pretty steep. My boys don't care about the odds. Anything can happen in this game. Anything. Yeah, the, the whole time that clip is playing out, it's showing all the mob guys and the guys mm -hmm. that were, were supposed to put up the money. And it, what does it end with? You can kind of hear it in the background as that clip ends. What is being shown? Mm. I don't know. It's a guy and a gun. Oh, okay. Well, we see Claude the Cuck signing a ball for somebody and some other guy, some new guy comes walking up. And Claude says, or the, the guy, yeah, Claude says, who do I make it out to? And the guy says, you're going to lose tomorrow. <laughs> and then the guy asks, is that your wife? Yeah. You don't lose. She dies. And yeah. And then he laughs and the other guy does not. <laughs> yeah. Who sent you? You made a promise to certain people. And if I yeah. don't do it, somebody else will. Yeah. Game eight, the national anthem. And I didn't, I didn't realize that they did the national anthem in olden time. I thought that was more of a like a 1960s thing that they started doing that. Oh, it's probably right after the war. Yeah, I suppose. But uh, today, well, they show. I think I do believe they show the national anthem in the natural. So, yeah. But uh, I think that's the only. I think that's the only 80s baseball movie we haven't done. No, there's got to be another one. What's the one with Matt LeBlanc and the and the chimpanzee Eddie uh, and me? Uh, something with Ed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's '90s though. I'm sure it is. <laughs> but uh, Field of Dreams is '90, right? Oh no, Field of Dreams is '80s. So so there, right there, there's another baseball film. Yes, yes, you're but right. To date, Joe has not thrown anything, 
And we see all the players that are involved and all those that aren't. And then Lefty sees the threatening guy in the stands. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of a tough spot for him, honestly. Yeah. 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 And and his wife, who is a hot piece of ass, uh, wants to bet some dude that Claude will pitch a no-hitter. And the the assassin overhears this. (laughs) Yeah, the hitman is sitting behind her. (laughs) Right. And... uh, and the guy she wants to bet with says, I bet it won't go five. I bet five dollars it won't go past the first inning. And yeah. in, in New York City at the the place with the the fake scoreboard or whatever you want to call it, there's way more uh-huh. people listening to the game now. And sure. First pitch gives up a hit. Second pitch, same thing. And the wife mm-hmm. is disappointed. And the next pitch is bad. And the coach, he's three batters in, and kid is telling the relief pitcher, Yeah, go get warmed up. Yeah, and then and then Claude throws a big home run, and that's when he yanks him. So it's it's four it's four to nothing, uh, but Shoeless Joe hits a home run, and when he comes into the dugout, nobody's there to like congratulate him. There's no cheering or anything, and uh, they lose. And the old reporter who you refer to as Mortimer is drawing circles around the players on the team picture that he thinks. Uh, cheated. Well, it's and the he, ones that he's sure through the series, and yeah, maybe these more. five. Yeah, these five, and the other reporter says, "You prove it, and this town will never forgive you." And in the locker room, the the coach is, goes up to Buck and is trying to make him feel better. You had a damn fine series, Bucky. You lost. I didn't get the breaks. Well, we just weren't good enough. It's a load of bull, kid. You know it. And later, uh, Mortimer is talking to people, and he's talking to the catcher who's working out with a medicine ball. And this is when I actually put together that he was a reporter. (laughs) I did not figure that out until here. But in a bar, somebody is mocking Felch's basket catch drop. And as I'm doing that, I'm actually putting my hands (laughs) to my, my, my stomach like I'm doing a basket catch. And then mm-hmm. he's interviewing Doc's lackey, and he has this story that gets printed in the paper. And we see the papers and the player's reaction, including Joe's wife, as she is reading it to him. Yeah. It's a big, there's a, it, this is a huge mont- montage that's going on right now. So, but with the, we do see the, the spinning newspaper. Right. And, and, even before the, the spinning newspaper thing, one of the kids is trying to get people to sign a petition to show that people are behind the socks and the, that the stories are just bunk. And mm-hmm. um, there's an editorial about how Mortimer, Mortimer is the devil and a leech, but he's enjoying it. And Comiskey offers $10,000 for evidence. And somebody goes comes forward and says he didn't want to be a squealer and he thought it would only be for one or two games. And of course, Comiskey, as he is, does not pay the reward because he's a cheap fuck. Right. But, and that was actually one of the college boys. And then, oh gosh, he brings a lawyer in and he says, well, there's this clip here about protecting the organization. And I talk in the middle of it, but it's actually two clips put together. Okay. So just wait till the the music ends. Protecting the organization that you've built and maintained is what's best for baseball. Now, some kind of investigation is going to be launched. Our job is to control that investigation. 
in fact, to appear to be leading that investigation. Alfred, if I lose those players... Uh, you might not have to. They are guilty. Well, that, from a business point of view, is irrelevant. What's important is that your business, baseball, is going to take a shellacking at the ticket window unless you and your fellow owners make the public think that you are absolutely clean in this matter. How do we manage that? So then all of the owners pile into an orange Corvette and drive over to somebody's house. We, we felt that with your record of service and with the high esteem the public holds... We need a commission. Someone outside of uh, baseball who would have certain powers to rule. Absolute power. Absolute powers. Won't work any other way. People won't believe it. Absolute power. Well, anyhow, we felt that the man that cleaned the Reds out of the country during the war was the right man to clean up baseball. We are prepared to offer you a two-year contract. Lifetime contract. Lifetime. And worried about his job. Time to play favorites. You gentlemen don't want that. What well, a lifetime contract seems. I'm back in court in five minutes, gentlemen. Let's talk salary. Okay, do you get that? Uh, well, that's from Boogie Nights, but I don't know why you have that in there. As they're talking to the guy, as they're talking to Bud Selig, he keeps on slapping this flyer swatter down. Oh, okay. And it reminded me of the firecrackers in the Boogie Nights scene. And earlier, actually going back several weeks, I said that I thought this this was um, M. Night Shyamalan's first film. This, there was actually, I was mistaking him with P.T. Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson, who directed Boogie Nights. His first film was called Hard Eight. Oh, Which has right. nothing to do with baseball. <laughs> no, no. But... I just thought that the whole thing with the 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 slapping of the fly swatter it was very very similar to the firecracker scene with uh, Doc Ock. Okay, all right. But anyway, they hire Bud Selig, and apparently he was a German hunter after the First World War. Oh, the judge? Yes. Okay. And he is going to be the first commissioner of baseball. He's going to replace the organization that existed before. And Mortimer and Ring are not sure that he's actually going to clean things up. And then a grand jury is summoned. And we see some weird movement from some of the other characters. Uh, Rothstein is on a boat. Uh, The owner of the Double Deuce is on a train. Yeah. Abe looks like he's had a nose job and is learning Spanish as he's standing in line for like a train ticket, I think. Right. And Eddie is walking into the courthouse and is directed to a bench. And he's he's nervous as he waits. And Comiskey's lackey says, this is the guy that is handling the grand jury. He has the good, goods on you. Come clean and he'll take care of you. At this point, why would anybody trust anyone associated with Comiskey? Right. Yeah. But they give him, and this happens a couple times, some, something to sign. There's no words. There's no questions. And this is what happens in the testimony in the grand jury. I know what you want to know. I know. You don't know. 
know that we know they know we know. Yeah, we were crooked. We were crooked. Did, did you like how the stenographer kept on taking notes for what Phoebe said? Yes. Yes, that was good. But somebody asks Eddie if he got immunity. Uh, one small problem for Eddie. He doesn't know what immunity is. Which is weird because I would have figured that would have been more Joe. And Right. Yeah. What yeah. is uh, Joe's Joe be- confession? What's that? What is Joe's confession? Oh, you mean how does he sign? Yeah. Well, they present him with something. He can't read it. Right. Yeah. And well, they say that we just want to clean out the the gamblers, not the ball players. And they talk him into signing, and he signs with an X, which in real life he could sign his name. Yeah, make your mark. Mm-hmm. That's from the Patriot. Yes. But and this is where I had Joe confused with Ty Cobb for some reason. Cobb was a mean <laughs> motherfucker, which I didn't understand okay. why Joe is being shown as a simple Jack type character. <laughs> simple Jack. I I I I I love you. <laughs> but meanwhile, Felch is kind of holding court in a bar. What's the here, Yeah, the word is you made a bundle. Yeah, sure. I saw some cash. They promised to sell twenty thousand each, but all I saw was five. I'm gonna call a cop. <laughs> they look pretty good out there for a guy dumping games. Something must have come over me. You mean you double cross the gamblers? No, no. I'm a man of my word. So why'd you do it, Hap? Somebody lean on you? Everybody else was getting some. I figure without the pitches we're gonna lose anyway, so why shouldn't I get fat too? Maybe dumb, fellas, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> and Joe is being led out of the courthouse by Comiskey's lackey, and he basically walks him right into the lion's den of reporters. Mm-hmm. And but who else is there? Mm. Kids. The kids, yeah, and one of them says, "Saying ain't so, Joe." Oh, say it ain't so, Joe. And then, I, got, I got, I got lost. Oh yeah, yeah. And then he takes off his shirt and he throws it at him and gives him a coke. <laughs> mean Joe Green. <laughs> Nobody would get that. But no, the kid is just kind of left there weeping. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But the players come into the room full of lawyers, and they're told that these are the men that will be taking care of you during the trial. So these are the hand job lawyers, <laughs> the under the table hand job lawyers. It's, it's, it's pricey, but you have yes. two choices: do what we tell you or go to jail. Right. And I don't, yeah. I don't know who it is. Somebody asks, "Who is fitting the bill for this?" So you have fans. How about a name? The less you know, the better you are. Once again, the players are getting fucked here. Mm-hmm. They sure are. But there's some guy that's talking to a lawyer, and and I think he says... AR's Com- attorney is talking to Comiskey's lackey. Yes, and that Comiskey and Rothstein basically have mutual interests in this. And negative so. publicity is good for no one. Uh, what does he want? The confessions. And the players, you tell them where their interests lie. They'll do what they're told. Yeah. And then Buck is getting dressed and he's talking about if he had cash, he'd get his own lawyer. And the wife, who he never should have told in the first place, says that Comiskey is bankrolling the lawyers, not going to let the best ball players slip away without a fight. And now we get the first mention of the Black Sox from a newsie. 
Mm-hmm. And Ring and Mortimer are talking, and the whole deal with Comiskey paying for the lawyers makes sense because that way he can control the trial. Depending on which way the wind is blowing, he can kind of steer it towards guilty or towards innocent. But Mortimer points out that it won't go away that will hurt Comiskey, and signed confessions are hard to beat, but it's Chicago. Anything can happen. And the the whole courtroom stuff is kind of a a sideshow. There's lots of people there that are applauding the players as they come into court. They sure do. Yeah, and this is our second courtroom film. Yeah. But Joe just looks lost. And the Swede is loving it, as are most of the others. And the coach is there, but he's not really impressed with the circus as the charges are being read. Edward Seacott, Joseph Jefferson Jackson, Arnold Gandil, Charles Risberg, Oscar Felch, See? Frederick mm-hmm. McMullen, Claude Williams, and George Weaver are hereby accused of conspiracy to commit a confidence game on one Charles Nims. Who the hell is Charles Nims? Some sucker who bet on us in a series. Okay, so this is different than in real life. In real life, actually, the suit was on behalf of a different player because the player said that they were cheated out of their winning bonus for the World Ah, Series. Okay. And also, in real life, the trial took place. The grand jury didn't happen until after the, the 1920 series, and the trial wasn't until 1921. Ah, okay. But who is the the first witness on the stand? Doc Brown's on the stand. No, and no, no. Oh, Comiskey's on the stand. I'm sorry, Comiskey's on the stand. Yes. When did you first become aware of the conspiracy? You mean the uh, possibility of conspiracy? Oh, pardon me, the possibility of a conspiracy. Shortly after the series began. And you took no action? I informed Commissioner Ben Johnson. I hired private detectives to check on the players, and I personally kept a scorecard of every game. What did you find? Hearsay. Nothing that would warrant publicly slandering honest ball players, if they're honest. So you think they're innocent? I'll abide by the ruling of the court. Why are you appearing today for the prosecution? I owe it to baseball. So you are making an accusation? Not if they're innocent. But you have suspicions. They have been indicted by a criminal court. If that isn't suspicious, I don't know what the heck is. <laughs> yeah, the, the way he's playing that is brilliant, though. Because mm-hmm. he's saying a lot, but he's saying nothing. Right. And it, it doesn't matter which way the wind blows... He still was on because he wanted it investigated, but he didn't think they were guilty. He was suspicious, but that's only because they were accused. So no matter what happens, he's going to end up being fine. And yes. it's also lots of laughter in what different people say on the stand. But now who's on the stand? Now Doc Brown is on the stand. And uh, do you have a clip for this? No, but he's lying his ass off. Oh, yeah. He pitched it to me, uh, but... Uh, yeah, I didn't make a cent. Nothing? Nope, nope. They, they busted me in game three. They double-crossed you. Yeah, there's no honesty in this world. <laughs> this no. laughter. And it's brought up as, this is a reason for you testifying, revenge. And are you even now? Well, I will be when we leave. And then he says something, uh, the, I think the lawyer says, you don't like me, do you? 
<laughs> and then, uh, but then Doc's lackey, the Corvette thief, is on the stand, and he's naming names. the Ferrari, Ferrari, Matt, Ferrari thief. Sorry, sorry, you are correct. Mm-hmm. Ferrari. So, hey, I identified the guy in the movie. So, and yes, he, you did. He names everybody except one person. Uh, Joe wasn't there, but he knew what was going on. And you know where <laughs> Joe was? Where? Where was Joe? Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So I, I've really re-embraced the whole entire package out of the zipper when I pee, like balls and all. I completely forgot about that from last year from canoeing. And it's it's nice because it's it's like a sniper rifle between two <laughs> sandbags. I I have not gone back since I heard that. It, it changed my life more than anything else has probably in the last three years. Yeah, I I, I find that you dribble less. Like with having everything out, that you're you know as an older man, you know the the, the, the prostate's a little bit enlarged. Not much, but sure you know, it happens, and it, it's 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 tough to get everything out. Um, you dribble a little bit, but with that, with the whole, you know, the entire set of Frank and beans out of the pants, that happens less. Well, see, if, if you're wearing shorts, you can just like kind of rest it on top. Or are you like going like in the hole? Oh, no, I, yeah, I always undo the zipper. I never undo my button when I pee. All right. Yeah. I don't know why, but I'm trying to get a visual here. <laughs> So, with my big meaty cock <laughs> coming out of my out of my zipper, yeah, I don't. I think there were there are times last week where Scott was a little bit taken aback and he didn't know exactly how to react to certain things. When I was telling him about the you know the poop incident, he's like, "My eyes are closed right now." And I looked over at him, <laughs> and his eyes really were closed. It's like I can't look at you. Well, I think it's like the the leopard's tail <laughs> explanation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But uh, okay, so everybody was. Everybody was present oh, except for yeah, Joe. They, yeah, yes. Uh, well, it's in his confession. Where uh, are the confessions? Can you bring them forward? They've been stolen. Okay, do you know what happened to him? No. Years later, they surfaced in the safe of Comiskey's lawyer. Oh, wow. So, uh, don't yes. have them. Yeah, the, the Swede and others are laughing. And Yeah, or... Order in the court. And this is where we have the spitting newspaper thing. And the confessions disappear. But that night, Eddie is still nervous, and he tells his wife he wants her to go out to the farm. Is that like going to live upstate? Yeah. <laughs> if he goes to jail. And the wife asks if she if he thinks that they will find them guilty. I always figured it was talent made a man big, you know? If I was the best at something. I mean, where are the guys they come to see? Without us, there ain't a ball game. Yeah, but look at who's holding the money and look at who's facing a jail cell. Hey, talent don't mean nothing. And where's Comiskey and Sullivan, Patel, Rothstein? Out in the back room, cutting up profits, that's where. That's the damn conspiracy. He would have won, too. You would have beat those guys so easy. Well, won't nobody ever know that now. 
But the next day in court, the lawyer is questioning the the catcher, who's one of the college guys. And no, not the catcher. He's there. It's the the vaudevillian clown, Collins. Okay, it's one yeah. of the college guys, they, though. Sorry, I thought it was the catcher. Yeah, yeah. They never let it slip. Um, well, but our relationship, yeah. our relationships were strained, and I suspected it, but the guys weren't putting out a hundred percent. And uh, I think it's the defense attorney asks, "Do you ever play when you weren't in peak condition?" Um, sometimes. Ever not give 100%, you know, the college try? No, never. Well, you're very remarkable. And then at this point, Bucky has had enough, and he starts addressing mm-hmm. the judge. I mean, I can see, though, where... Uh... Wait, shit. Is that you? That's... Mm, no. Um, wait. Yeah. And Bucky has had enough and starts... Oh, it's... That's this one's... <laughs> Say something, please. This man is not asking the Can right questions. Let me have some order here, please. He's bunching us all together. Who is he to talk? Cosboy didn't even hit his own weight. Your Honor, if, if it pleases the court... Sit down, Bucky. Shut up! If it pleases the court, I would like to take the stand. You'll take the stand when you're called. Well, what if they don't call me? Please be seated. Well, wait a minute now. What if they don't call me? Be seated. Your Honor, I want a separate trial. The fact that I never took a penny has been brought up once. I had 327 in the series. I didn't make an error. I'm being charged for a conspiracy. I didn't have nothing to do with Sit down, Mr. Weaver. I'm going to have to hold you in contempt of this court. Come on, Buck. Sit down. Nobody's interested in your batting average. But that night, Joe is bothered. And why is he bothered? Well, his wife is reading the newspaper to him, and they're referring to them as the Black Sox. Yes. What are you going to do? I don't know. <laughs> well, it's, uh, oh. I don't know. But all, all Joe wants to do is go back and play ball. You, you can't. You, you're a cheater. <laughs> yeah. He says, I played good. They got to let me play. Uh, if they don't, what are you going to do? <laughs> and once again. I don't know. Only fans? Did that exist back in 1919? <laughs> no, I don't think it did. But the next day in court, Buck is writing stuff down, and the coach is on the stand. And we find out, and we knew he had played in the bigs because one of the other pitchers had talked about seeing him throw a no-hitter against Cy Young. And he played for 20 years, though. And they're talking about, as a pitcher, you have great control over the game. And coach tries to crack a joke, and unlike everybody else, his one-liner just falls absolutely flat. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, he continues that the pitcher and the catcher have the most control. And Doug, as we established last week, you're a catcher. So would you agree with that? <laughs> I'm a power bottom. <laughs> but were there, were there gamblers? Sure. Were there incidents where games were thrown? Yeah. We heard stories. Uh, you ever been approached? You can jump in here anytime. No, um, I had a oh. reputation over being somebody that wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I, I didn't take as as thorough notes as you did. So you never had any thoughts of doing that? No. And then he hedges just a little bit about thoughts of doing that. I mean, I can see, though, where uh, well, maybe if a guy feels he's being underpaid and uh, maybe falls in with the wrong kind of people and they feed him a line, how he could. People are human, but I never, uh, well, not that I'm Holy Joe, nothing like that, but I just... You don't uh, have to apologize for being honest, Mr. Gleason. Yeah. 
Well, what do you think of these players of yours now, Mr. Gleason? I think they're the greatest ball club I ever seen, period. From his testimony there, it makes me question if he actually might have taken money when he was playing. That's possible. Sure. But uh, Comiskey is unimpressed by all this, and the coach just looks sad. And then after court, Buck is walking down the street, and he sees the two kids again. And they saw him outside court, some circus. And they want to know if it's true. Yeah. It's complicated. Yeah, but you didn't do nothing wrong, did you? And he says, I guess I never grew up. And then he sits down next to them and talks about his joy of being a ball player. I still get such a bang out of it, playing ball. Same as I did when I first come up. You get out there and the stands are full and everybody's cheering. It's like everybody in the world come to see you. And inside of that, there's players and they're yakking it up. Pitcher throws, and you look for that pill. Suddenly there's nothing else in the ballpark but you and it. Sometimes, when you're feeling right, there's a groove there. And the bat just eases into it and meets that ball. <laughs> when the bat meets that ball, and you can just feel that ball just give. And you know it's going to go a long way. Damn, if you don't feel like you're going to live forever. couldn't give that up. Not for nothing. How do you think they're going to call it tomorrow? Look down to third base next year. You're going to see Buck Weaver playing his butt off. Yeah. Who Whose film is this? This is my film. No. Dumbass. No. I mean, it's not Charlie Sheen's, obviously. Oh, <laughs> Pee-wee, do you have a dream? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I'm a donut and I'm being chased by a snake. <laughs> um, whose film is this? Uh, I think this is uh, David Strathans and John Cusack's film. And they're the two. Pr- they're the two main guys. Yeah, I think so. And you know, Cusack has had. An impressive career, but he's never mm-hmm. been a headliner actor, I don't think, of big films. Um, I mean, he's had starring role in many a film, but yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any been any, well, gross point blank, but eh, it was still small budget. Yeah, I guess all the the films that he's done have been, well, no, 2012. That was a big action end of the world film that he was the lead star of. And how'd that do? I don't know. I don't know how it did. I saw it in the theater. I was unimpressed. And I I mean he puts on a an impressive acting display in this film. From what I've read about him as an individual, mm-hmm. kind of a cocksucker. But Is he? yeah. 
And if you ask him about anything other than the current project he's working on, he will like not answer your questions at all. And that's not oh. just in press. That's like with fans. Oh, okay. But I was just curious what your thoughts on that were. But um, the next day, the final verdict is about to be re- revealed, and mm-hmm. the judge has a question. Does anyone have a statement to make before the final verdict is made? I do, Your Honor. Very well. Mr. Weaver. I want to put on the record somewhere that I asked for a separate trial, and I was refused. That evidence of my play in the World Series games is not admitted, and I never got a chance to take the stand on my own behalf. It will be so noted. Big setup. Will the foreman read the verdict? Yes, Your Honor. We find the defendants not guilty on all charges. I did not see that coming. But all of a sudden, Buck no longer wants to be on his own. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you didn't you didn't know? Well, I knew that they got banned for life, right? But I thought they were banned for life because they were found guilty. I had no idea that uh, well, basically the judge said, "Yeah, if you were associated with this, whether you were involved or not, but if even if you knew about it, you're out." Yeah, and, and that it, it, that'll come up. The, the, yeah. But Mortimer and Ring say that this was a bigger fix than the series. It's gamblers eight, baseball nothing. And Comiskey's lackey, his lawyer, says, you got your ball club back. But Comiskey says he will make them pay for this. And uh, Joe is lifted up by the crowd. Or lifted by the crowd. It says in my notes, lifted by the crowd. Not lifted up. Just lifted. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Matt. Yes, you're welcome. But the the guy the owners hired to be the new commissioner is just walking away and all of the players are now, they're happy for now. And they go to a bar, and they're getting a hero's welcome. Mm-hmm. And Joe is all impressed by what he calls these lawyering birds. And the Swede says, I told you so to Buck. But the commissioner has his own thing to say outside to the press. Regardless of the verdict of juries, no player who throws a ball game... No player who undertakes or promises to throw a game. No player who sits in conference with a bunch of crooked players and gamblers where the ways and means of throwing a ball game are discussed and does not promptly tell his club about it will ever play professional baseball again. I don't want to purchase anything sold or manufactured. <laughs> but that that speech by the new commissioner is actually verbatim what the actual con- commissioner said. Oh, no shit. Yeah. It, it actually is in the Wikipedia article as much as you can believe that. But you could actually hear the people toasting. So the players are toasting. They don't realize that they are going to get the ban hammer. And as I said earlier, this happened a year and a half later. Yeah. But we, we fast forward to New Jersey, 1925. Right. Oh, oh. and Joe Jackson. Well, well, there's, there's a baseball game. It looks like a minor league baseball game. Right. Is that it? 
Uh, <laughs> and, and I believe it's Joe Jackson is out in the field. Okay. <laughs> and then this conversation happens. Who is that guy? It is. It's him. What's his name, the new guy? He don't look so new to me. Well, it says his name's Brown. The name is easy to change. It's him. Who's him? It's Joe Jackson. <laughs> what? Get out of here. <laughs> Who's Joe Jackson? Look at how he's hitting us. He's killing us out there. Uh, double, two home runs. These bushers make peanuts less. Jackson made a fortune on those games. It's him. You ever see him play? Yeah, I saw pictures. Pictures. <laughs> I saw him play. Yeah? What do you think? He was the best. Run, hit, throw. He was the best. It was just got a huge chaw the entire time. Joe Jackson yeah. does. Yes. Yes. So this clip is from a television show that I watched as a kid, and I didn't understand it until now. And bonus points if you can tell me who says who is it. All right? Okay. Who is that guy? I think it's him. Who's him? Al Bundy. You ever see him play? I only heard about him. I saw him play. He was the best. Ran, threw, sold shoes. He was the best. Is that him? Polkai football. Uh, it's Katie Segal is the one that said it. It is him. Yeah, but who's the guy that says who is that guy? Do you know who that is? No. Okay, let me see if I can do this. <laughs> Nine hundred two and zero. Is that Jason Priestley? <laughs> that's I. That's oh. Ian Ziering. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, um, Buck is the person in the stands, and he says, "No, those fellows are all gone now." And Joe hits one deep and legs out a triple, and then one guy is still positive that it's Joe. Yeah, Brown, huh? Who's Joe Jackson? He was one of the guys that threw the series back in nineteen. One of them bums from Chicago, kid. It's one of the Black Sox. And none of them ever played again. Um, actually, yeah. how does the film end at first? Uh, well, freeze frame, freeze black? frame. Freeze oh, frame, freeze, freeze frame? frame. Yeah, there's a, there's a right. fake freeze frame. And then they do a black and white montage over... Yeah. Film. None of them ever played again. Buck tried clearing his name. All his appeals were denied. And, you know, Shoeless so. Joe Jackson, a lot of, a lot was kind of brought into like whether or not he was involved at all and whether he should have been involved in, and as far as him being allowed back into baseball. And then it, not only are they banned from professional baseball, they were banned from the Hall of Fame. So, it it never really got resolved and i did not know much about i knew what had happened i knew that they threw the world series that's all i knew going mm -hmm. into it right same here so i i learned more but your film go ahead it was okay it was eh, it was i mean it was a little boring it wasn't 
I mean, I don't know, man. It was just okay. Right. I, I probably, I probably wouldn't recommend it to anybody unless you really liked watching baseball films. Um, but it doesn't really give you the, 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 all the feels when it comes to baseball, like major league or little big league or rookie of the year or the natural or any of those. It's more depressing than anything else when you think of baseball. So. Right, I liked it a okay. lot. Okay. I liked it a lot. Um, I, I would recommend it to, I, I do not like baseball. Um, I, it was probably two or three strikes ago that I checked out of baseball and I have not been to a game since then. And yeah, my, I've, my I've, been kids to, didn't play, I've been to so. a couple of games. I've been to a couple of games, but they've been with little kids and all little kids want to do is just walk around the stadium. They don't want to sit and, and take everything in. Mm-hmm. So it's just not worth it for us to go to a ball game. It's fucking expensive too. So, right, so, uh, they told us so we don't have to play out the string. Do you think Jen watched no. the film? I'm going to say no. Even though she said she asked how hard it would be to frame, uh, throw oh. a series? Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 Jen watched the, 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 the movie. And now it's time for Jen's two-second movie review. Didn't watch it. That <laughs> was Jen's two-second movie review. Jen! She came in so in that one was part. A- oh, she came in in one part. Okay. You're a dick. <laughs> a little rope-a-dope there for you. Yes. So, um, I guess it's time to move on to... Whatcha? Whatcha? Whatcha watching? All right. Um, we watched Castaway. I love that film. Yeah. It was, it was good. It was, I, it was, it was just the boys and I, and I was like, okay, what are we watching? It, more times than not, my youngest, any movie that we suggest, I don't want to watch that. That looks boring. And then we'll start watching it and we'll get five minutes into it. I'm bored. Can I watch my iPad? Yeah, fine. Um, but I said, you need to watch this movie. And I, yes, the first 10 or 15 minutes are boring, but just wait until the plane crash. And as soon as the, we got to the plane crash, he was sucked in. Uh, so yeah, that was good. Uh, I finished all three seasons of Louder Milk. Um, I was very disappointed that to, to, to learn that there is not a fourth season or th- there's kind of, kind of plans to be a fourth season. So this show was on the AT&T audience network and they played the first two seasons and then they took the audience network off the air. So then it got ported over to Amazon, which they released the third season and that was back in 2020 and um, they still might make a fourth season to wrap everything up. I really, really like that show. Uh, oldest boy and I watched Alien versus Predator. I is that bad? That movie gets a bad rap. I like it. I mean, it was one of those films that I saw in the theater high with the beautiful penis, and we had the IDL at somebody because it was a boyfriend and a girlfriend. It was the middle of the day on like a Tuesday, and there's a boyfriend and girlfriend that were fighting. She was just chewing him a new one. And, <laughs> Being all high, I'm like, can you please be quiet? We're trying to watch the movie. And then she said to him, she's like, can you believe what he said to us? Are you going to do something? I think I have a clip for that, but please continue. Oh, all right. Uh, and then I watched a, a clip um, on YouTube. Uh, it's like a minute and a half long clip of Ahsoka. That looks really fucking good. It looks like a Star Wars show. 
Um, and what's interesting is the three lead characters in that show appear to be women. And if you make something really, really good and it has compelling characters, Star Wars matter, yeah. fans, Star Wars fans are not going to care. But when you give us something like Ray, and then you give us something like the chick that's in the Obi-Wan show, and we, and we rip it apart because we love Star Wars, and then you call us sexist and curmudgeons and everything else, fuck you. Yeah, people I'm call looking people f- curmudgeons or assholes. Yes, 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 they are. Well, how could you not like Pee Wee? There's some, definitely something <laughs> wrong with you. You are not wired right. You're just learning this now. (laughs) Yes. I like it. Um, So I'm looking forward to it. And did you see that it's not going to be released on Wednesday anymore? They're going to release them on Tuesday evening at 8 8 p.m.? Oh, so I thought it was next Wednesday. Yeah. No, Tuesday. Tuesday now. Hmm. So, yeah. So I get to come home from... Sorry. Oh, all right. Uh, and that was really, oh, and, and I, I had to continue getting my, my Ron Livingston fix after I finished all three seasons of Loudermilk. So I, during the filming of Band of Brothers, HBO gave him a video camera and said, yeah, just make a video diary of everything. And he did. So I watched that hour long documentary. Okay. I, w- I was looking for a clip from the beginning of, oh God, uh, it's a movie with Ryan Philippe. Um, not two guns. Uh, it's where he's sitting on a car in the very beginning and it sets off a car alarm. And uh, that one comedian yells at him and he, and Ryan Philippe yells, shut that cunt's mouth or I'm going to go over there and fuck start her head. Are you sure that's not two guns? Is it two guns? It might be. Okay. With Benicio Del Toro. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but anyway, what I'm watching, I watched uh, the first episode of a documentary called Telemarketing. Mm-hmm. It's fucking amazing. It's, What's that on? It's on Max. Okay. And it is, I guarantee it's calls that you've gotten, and it's kind of behind the scenes that this guy that worked there in the, the 90s and 2000s that brought in a video camera every day. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's interesting. Uh, Big Brother, yeah. Um, high maintenance. I don't know if you ever heard of that. No. It started as a series of like eight to 10 minute shorts about a drug dealer in New York City. And then got okay. picked up as a regular series by HBO. I watched some of them. Some of them are five minutes long. Some of them are 35 minutes long. It's, it's interesting. Some of them are better than others. Uh, up to the end, winning time, finished jury duty, watched the first five minutes of Lauder Milk. And I am up to date on Special Ops Lioness. So you watched the first five minutes of Louder Milk? Yes, I, this is last night. Okay, so you are you're up to date on Lioness. Is yes. it worth continuing? Okay, yeah. But can you see the un, can you see the unrealism of it? In, in which regard? I think that it's okay. They're never going to allow her to do this. Uh, she's an asset in yeah. this area. They have other fucking people. They have, it's not like this one team is the only team in the entire world that is capable of doing these things. Well, and it was, it was kind of like the, the first, the, when we were first introduced to that team and her original asset was stuck beat, was captured and the base suddenly gets attacked and they immediately have air support. It's just like, 
I don't, I don't think that that's how it works. You don't just have a couple of A-10s flying over standby all the time. Oh, well, yeah. So, when, when that came across, I'm just like, just wait for it. You're going to hear the... Yeah. A-10, yeah. the, the word. What's awesome is why, going on YouTube and actually watching like helmet cam of guys being ambushed and stuff and calling in A-10s. And there's one clip that's just fucking amazing where it's like gun cam from an A-10 and you can hear him talking to the guy in the ground. The guy's like, west of the grove, west of the grove. Uh, you know, we're popping the red smoke and we're like, danger close. And he's like, give it to me, baby. You're cleared hot. And then you, you see the gun and it's like, you're like, <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Well, how long was it after Lieutenant Dan called in the fast movers? Uh, that wasn't that long, but that was that was Vietnam, man. That's where we were fighting a full-fledged war. This is just some fob in Syria that these guys were hanging out at. So, Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So ready to move on to next week's movie? I am. The last of the 80s unseen for me, so... I'm so excited, and I just can't hide it. Three degrees to next week's movie, and I think I like it. It's it's been a month since I gave you these questions, so see if you can come up with the same answers. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Friends, nineteen twenty-three, or Spin City, nineteen twenty-three. All right, got that one right. Direct actor link or one hop. Direct actor link. Got that one right. Uh, Botox, all the drugs, or AZT? All the drugs. Got that one right, too. Uh, Trek series regular, oh. guest star on multiple series, or 2009 Trek film role? Is it guest series on multiple series? Yeah, guest star in multiple series. Yep, you got what all of them right. Guess. Yeah. Oh, hey, how about that? So John Cusack plays Buck in this week's film. He plays Denny in 1986's Stand By Me. River Phoenix plays Chris in that film. Phoenix plays Charlie in next week's 1986 film about foreign lands. The Mosquito Coast. Do you want to hear the ones you did not pick? Yes. Okay. Charlie Sheen plays Felcher in this week's movie. He plays Cappy. In this 1986 coming-of-age romantic comedy. Uh, oh, some kind of... Wait, not some kind of wonderful. No. Is it with one of the Corey, Corey brothers? Yes. Oh, I hate that fucking film. I no. would have vetoed that fucker. Lucas. Yeah. Never seen it. All right, yeah, so, that movie makes me angry. Okay, and I have two for this last one because the, the second one is too obvious. Uh, D.B. Sweeney plays Joe in this week's film. He plays Steve Smith in 1990's Blue Desert. Courtney Cox plays Lisa Roberts in that film. Cox plays Julie Winston in next week's 1987 sci-fi film. Troll Hunter? Kevin Teague plays Sport Sullivan in this week's film. He plays Colonel Merrick in 1994's Men of War. Dolph Lundgren plays Nick in that film. Lundgren plays the titular character in next week's 1987 fantasy film. I, oh, He-Man? <laughs> yeah. I would have done He-Man. It's been forever since I've seen that. I've never seen it, so. 
But yeah. so, um, so next week, Mosquito Coast, it is available nowhere. Uh huh. Nowhere. Yep. Not even on Apple TV. Well, I mean, you can rent it. It's not available mosquito, free anywhere. There's the, there's the Mosquito Coast TV series. Um, TV series with Jennifer Aniston's ex boyfriend, Justin Theroux. Timberlake? No, not Timberlake. Theroux. Yeah, the guy from The Leftovers. Yes. That's yeah, not her ex boyfriend. That's her ex watching. Ex husband. Oh, it's her ex husband. Yeah. All right. All right. Huh? Yeah, the Mosquito Coast. Okay. I. I. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we'll do it next weekend. I don't know. That's not next weekend. Is no. That's not Labor Day weekend. Okay. I don't. I. I, I don't All know. Right. So sometime next weekend. <laughs> yeah, something like that. All right. Well, hey, thanks everybody for. Uh, have you started watching the Mosquito Coast? No, I have not. You haven't? No, I, I had to get are through the subtitles. Are... Yeah, I, I matched them up for you. I, I right. do. Thanks, I do that man. now before I, I I start watching just to make sure that it works for you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, man. I'm serious. I do. Uh, I know you do, and I really appreciate that. I do uh, because I always see like in the continue watching part of Plex that there's. That movie's up there with like two minutes in. And that's just so, so I can match I them up. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've seen parts of that movie. I don't believe I've ever seen it all the way through. Helen so, Mirren's in but that. But it's Harrison Ford. Yeah. Who is? Helen Mirren. Really? Yeah. She plays his wife, which is the 1923 thing as well. Uh, oh. Okay. So, so it's weird because you have Indy, young Indy, and then you have um, Dutton and Dutton's wife. Wow. Isn't there a daughter in that film also? Yeah, there is. I have no idea who it is, though. So. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to this uh, amazing baseball film breakdown. Under two and a half hours. How about that? It's, I kept it under two and a half hours. You're not slurring your words. Yeah, we're, we're at 250 right now, so no, you did not keep it under two and a half hours. Oh, I didn't? Oh, that's right. We started at five. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Okay. Um, yeah. So join us next week for the Mosquito Coast with Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren. You know Mirren. it's Mosquito, I'm right? Say, <laughs> you say Mosquito. Uh, that's how they say it in the film, Matt. You're saying it weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you want to reach out to the show, Rewind at yahoo.com. Send us an email. Ricky, haven't heard from you in forever. Other listeners, never heard from you. So it would be great. Love emails, good or bad, or indifferent. Uh, rate and review where you get your podcast from. Uh, leave us a five star or four star, or whatever the fuck star is the highest star, and put a funny blurb. Haven't gotten anything from there for a while. Um, does it sound like I'm really coming down on our listeners? Yeah, all all five of them will be hurt. Yes, Facebook, follow us there. Uh, you didn't you didn't mention anything about my my post yeah i was gonna let it go that this was not a fantasy film for you eight men out (laughs) (laughs) it's just like the kind of film that matt loves yeah eight men out (laughs) yes you could have phrased Um, it better well i did i I came in i was tired it was a long day and and you you put you put pressure on me where's your facebook post yeah, I'm, like I'm a slave kind of, master. I'm really just... You are. I don't I don't like that kind of pressure. Uh, but yeah, thanks thanks for being here. Thanks. You know, it's... We, we. This is not a great podcast. It's a good podcast. And we understand that, you know, when you come here, 
you're giving giving time that you will never ever ever get back. So we do the best we can with sound clips and production. Matt does an amazing job, and try and give you you know some information and some entertainment to those hours that you'll never get back. And we thank you for that. So that's all I got, man. All right. So yeah, we will see you next week for I can't even do it. The mosquito coast. The mosquito. The mosquito coast. The mosquito coast. <laughs> yes. Great. Okay. We'll see you then. All right. See ya. Quack, 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 quack. Quack, 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 quack.